Thanks for tuning in, guys. You're listening to Ace Comicals. I'm Greg Driver. I'm joined by Rahul Johnny and Leon Everett. Let's go! Hi, welcome to the show. This is episode number 48 and today we are here specifically to discuss the new Netflix series that we have been so, so excited for for so, so long and that is The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. But before we get lost in the woods of Greendale, I should introduce my co-hosts. So I am joined by Rahul. Good evening, everyone. Leon. Hey, guys. And we also have a special guest with us today and that is Vicky Madden. Thanks for joining us, Vicky. Hi, pleasure to be here. Okay, so... Well, shall I let, yeah. me, let me explain how we know Vicky? Go and ahead. I mean, how <laughs> I know Vicky. Um, so, Vicky and I met at the wedding of a mutual friend. Um, though we didn't really get that much time to get to know each other then, as we were both quite busy doing our various wedding duties. Because, if I remember correctly, you were the uh, the bridesmaid. I was, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I I was playing the part of the tag along boyfriend because um, <laughs> that mutual friend is also my my girlfriend's one of, one of my girlfriend's very good friends. Um, and I was trying my very best to be like really friendly and useful foreigner because I had nothing else to 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 do in that in that role. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, like after the wedding, uh, we added each other on Facebook, and it was through that that I learned that you're a fan of the macabre, that you're a you know a horror host of the highest esteem. <laughs> 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 I think even that might be unders- Yeah, well, no, I was going to say I think I might be underselling it because uh, if I remember correctly, the first time I noticed was on a Facebook post um, that you made uh, hosting a horror movie screening for the Babadook, I believe, at the University of Edinburgh um, and having a conversation with you on that thread. So from that point, Vicky, do you mind telling <laughs> us about your relationship with horror and the place that it holds in your life at the moment? Sure. Um, I, I guess since I was a kid, I've always been a horror fan. I think my dad's idea of, you know, a bedtime story was Edgar Allan Poe and my mom's was strange stories from a Chinese studio. So <laughs> macabre has always been a part of my life. Um, and I think just when I got to uni, it became more of, um, a research interest of mine. And, and eventually when I decided I was going to do a PhD, I was like, well, I have to do Gothic studies. So that's kind of how I got into it. And you know, I've always been a horror fan. And, and I think actually when I started dating my husband, like years and years ago, it was more of like a dare based thing where we were both trying to be cool to the other person by saying, oh, I love horror films. You know, I, I don't scare easily. And we were both terrified in the beginning and it kind of just let up from there. <laughs> Well, so, so is your husband a fan of horror movies as well, or horror in general? He is, but he won't go to the cinema to watch them because he actually jumps out of his seat. Um, so <laughs> he refuses to come with me. Uh, but we have we have great discussions about them. I think he's 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 very intelligent when it comes to horror as well, and and knows quite a lot and loves his slasher villains. So we we have that in common. <laughs> so if it's not ousting either of you too much, what were the kind of things that you both tried to impress each other with? Um, well, we had a list of like 100 top horror films and all the ones that we hadn't seen, like that, that not both of us had seen. We were like, we need to watch these. And so I think we started with Evil Dead, um, and went from there. And then eventually I think it, it escalated to, um, Alien, which I never had an interest in. Um, and then it terrified me. And I remember watching it for the first time thinking, like, I, I went into it thinking this is, you know, a sci-fi film and I'm not sure I'm a fan of sci-fi and 
turns out I am. So <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a very good introduction to like horror sci-fi as well, particularly. Um, yeah, it's great. The visuals are stunning. So mm. love it. And so my next question was going to be how how much relationship do you have with comics in general? Very limited, I have to say. Um, I tried to do some research before this, um, and I actually find them quite tricky to track down just as, as a layman, I suppose. Um, but I, I, yeah, no, I've, I've, I've not really had much experience with comics in general, let, let alone horror comics. It is very hard to know where to begin, and in fact, that's why our very first episode of Ace Comicals is how to get into comic books. <laughs> so you've done the recording, yeah, if you want to go back and check that out. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> um, and so, Greg, where should we go on to next? Yeah, so um, comics kind of has a, a tough entry point, and um, I guess it's, yeah, it, it's a... It, not to go too, into, too much into it because we cover it in episode one, but it's, it's mm-hmm. like a, it can be like a thing when you walk into a comic shop and you don't know where to start because everything's in the top hundreds or like number 10 or something like that. And it's just like, oh, but yeah. Um, so, uh, I guess I should ask everybody today what they've been up to for the past two weeks since we've last spoken to people. So what kind of comics adjacent things have we been doing? Um, apart from obviously watching Sabrina, which is the subject of the show, which we'll get onto in a moment have we read played or done anything else that has been comics adjacent or anything along those lines that we'd like to discuss or talk about so i will start with vicky um i've uh, i've been watching some riverdale which i suppose is, is another one of those archie comic adaptations yes, yes um so that's probably as comic adjacent as it gets for me mm. uh ray no, I totally fell off the Riverdale wagon, but I've been, um, apart from Sabrina, what else have I been doing? I've been playing a lot of, I got a bit tired of playing um, kind of story-based games, and I wanted something that was just hands-on and tactile, so I played a lot of Endless Space 2, um, which is like a like a space-themed 4X game, so kind of like Civilization, but in space, and that's that's been cool to dive into, but, mm. but definitely not comics-adjacent for me this, this last fortnight. And Leon? Um, nothing. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> it, it was, it's been a mix of things because there was yeah. the the weekend that Sabrina came out. Uh, it felt like Netflix just were premiering a, a, a million different different things. So, and I'm already behind with some stuff. So, been sort of catching up on Riverdale, catching up on The Good Place. Both of you, both of those we've spoken about before in mm-hmm. different ways on on this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's a new show um, called Patriot Act um, with uh, Hassan Minaj, who's um, a uh, used to be a Daily Show uh, correspondent. If you're familiar with the Daily Show, it's like a comedy news program where they sort of pretend to be newscasters, but it, it's um, all done through a comedic lens, but the, the thing that, um, especially during the John Stewart years, a couple of years ago, um, the thing that was really good about it is that using that comedy lens, they're able to sort of um, address some really uh, good subjects without having to have really the weight of um, like a, a newscast and some of some of the shackles of that, and it, it, it led to uh, years and years of like. Uh, really good quality um, 
late night um, anal- or like analysis and, and just comedy. And since then, a bunch of uh, Daily Show alumni have gone to different shows, and the, the latest one is Hassan Minhaj. Um, and yeah, um, I haven't seen the latest episode, but two episodes uh, in, and yeah, he's definitely um, instead of it being say uh, last week tonight uh, part two or or even full front full frontal with Samantha B, like but the Netflix version. Instead, he's got his own spin on it, um, and it reminds me a lot of um, his stand-up special, which is also on Netflix, um, Homecoming King. So, um, yeah, been really uh, checking that out. And not to go too deep into it, but me and Rahul pretty much decided to keep up with the NBA <laughs> this season. <laughs> and uh, it's been good, but it's been a Herculean task because there are a million games. It's been an uphill struggle because there's not enough time in the day to begin with, let alone introducing a whole new <laughs> like season of a thing that I'm not even used to watching. Like I'm not used to watching sports in general. Yeah. So it's been a learning process, but it's been loads of fun catching up on that. And Leon, thanks for bringing up uh, Patriot Act because that is something I've really enjoyed lately and I just fell out of my head. But I, I'm in love with that man. I'm so mm. glad to see him on stage doing his thing. And like surrounded, like in the setting of the way he does that show where he's up on stage and he's walking about and he's addressing the audience and there's all these amazing like informatics happening on this giant screen behind him. It's such a interesting way yeah. to present that information and to hear it coming from him, I, I adore. I, I keep telling myself that I'm going to start watching ice hockey on the subject of um, <laughs> but I never, because I'm always interested in it and like I'm always interested in the whole ice hockey thing. Like ice hockey always looks cool to me, but I've never actually like gotten around to watching any of it and I really want to start getting into ice hockey and start watching ice hockey, but I keep like, it's just something I've never gotten around to. But yeah, on the subject of starting to watch sports. But things I've done in the past two weeks, well, I guess it's just a week for me because um, I, I don't know if you guys, did you guys see this weird episode that went up last week on our website? It was like um, someone had got hold of my recorded equipment on Halloween. Oh, that one with the attic dweller. Yeah, right? like I, I've had to have like the boys in beige round with their proton packs to try and find out what's going on up here, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> change your password. Yeah, yeah, I changed all my password and everything because obviously there's this this supernatural being, the loft dweller, probably lives in one of these cupboards or somewhere. I don't know, but yeah, I've been reading a bunch of comics over Halloween horror books. Um, put out the Halloween episode last week, which you can check out. That's what I've done in the past two weeks, and I've also, um kind of like semi-binged Sabrina and finished off um, Haunting of Hill House this weekend as well, which... Oh, good shout. <laughs> took me five episodes to actually, like, get into it, but it was all right. It was good. It, it took you five episodes and a berating from me to get back into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I, 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 at first I didn't like it because... Um, I think I, I I think what I struggled to get into it at first because it was too too much about the 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 the, the people and their trauma and everything else and like not in for me not enough of the spookiness going on because you I'm, wanted more spooky house didn't you yeah yeah I wanted to know more about the house and why the house is how it is and things like that um but yeah it was it was it was cool. Uh, and I got into I got into it and finished it off, and I'm actually glad I actually sat through it and watched it because it's really good. Um, other than that, that's that's been about it. I've just been sitting and reading comics as I usually do. 
<laughs> so that's been me. Um, and that brings us into the main segment because I was just talking about how I half binged Sabrina and now we're, well, we're into it now. So, um, yeah, so it, the, um, this episode is all about the new Netflix Sabrina show, which is kind of like a companion show to Riverdale, but also not at the same time and is an adaptation of the Aguirre Sarcassa reimagining of Sabrina the Teenage Witch, which is kind of like a darker, more horror, horror take on the classic Sabrina character, which I will come to in a moment. Um, so this show is kind of based on that and it also shares, the, the, the writer of the comics is also the showrunner. I think I'm right, Leon? Yes, you are correct. Yeah, and it's also the same guy that does Riverdale. Yes. Yeah, and um, there's a little bit of cross-up there as well, because the comics... Um, I've to- talked to you guys before about the Afterlife with Archie comics, haven't I? Which is kind of like the, the Archie comic zombie, zombie story. Yeah. Yeah, so um, Afterlife with Archie and these Sabrina books as well, they also cross over in kind of like in the fact that they... they run side by side as companion books but they also inhabit different universes at the same time it's it's a weird they're part of the same thing but also not kind of thing going on there but yeah so um current state of sabrina in archie comics at the moment is the fact that we've got eight issues of this um archie horror the sabrina story on the archie horror imprint which is the chilling tales of sabrina and sabrina is occasionally popping up in the current archie books as well um notably more in the jughead comics jughead has his own solo comic and she's been she's popped up in that a few times um and she's just kind of this archie adjacent character who um pops in and out and um she's she's there to kind of add a bit of a, a bit of fun or a bit of um a bit of a bit of a supernatural element to the proceedings of the archie books at the moment um and that's kind of in the new riverdale run which was like july 2015 onwards which was um archie jughead betty and veronica and i think sabrina got a one shot but it didn't go much further than that i think it ended up getting cancelled um and yeah and they've um yeah, so they've they've kind of crossed over in places and, and have kept crossing over over the years. Now, the sort of brief history of Sabrina and where that fits in with Archie Comics. So Archie Comics is actually 79 years old um, and it was founded in 1939 as MLG magazine, MLJ magazines even, sorry, and then later became Pep Comics. Uh, Pep Comics then became Archie Comics. Uh, Archie was a character that was born in the Pep Comics um, anthology that used to be published. And then later he sort of got his own thing. And then Pep Comics became Archie Comics. And we sort of move on from there. So Sabrina first appeared in Archie, Archie's Madhouse, which was kind of like an anthology book uh, in October 1962. It was number 22 of Archie's Madha- uh, Madhouse. And um, it was like the lead story in a humour anthology and um she sort of continued to appear in this sort of like this comedy anthology book until 1969 um now she, sabrina was created by 
uh george gladier and then del uh, dan del carlo and i don't think they actually imagined that she would be as popular as she was but she ended up getting an animated series in the 60s which was done by filmation as well um and she sort of made regular appearance in archie's tv laugh out which went between 69 and 85 and there was 160 106 issues of that um now the first volume of Sabrina proper, shall we say, when it was like a comic purely about Sabrina, that was between 1971 and 1983, and that ran for 77 issues. Um, it came back shortly after, uh, well, I say shortly after, uh, quite a while after actually, with the debut of the live action sitcom, which when, for, which is from 19, 1996 onwards kind of time, and there was 32 issues of that between 97 and 99, and that's the one that a lot of people will remember the character from, that's the Melissa Joan Hart one which um, I'm sure a lot of you probably remember, which was a lot of you, probably a lot of you's first experience with Sabrina as a character. Um, and there was another comic that ran alongside that that incorporated stuff from the live action uh, and sort of like blurred the lines there a little bit, modernised it slightly with the fashions and the way that they, um, the way they presented the characters as well. Um that ran up to 1999, and then in 2000, uh, the final issue of the this uh, this 97-99 uh, comic functioned as a transition into the comic that when they rebooted it from number one again, which was in January 2000, and that was based on an animated series that sort of ran alongside that after the year 2000, which I didn't even know existed until like a few days ago, actually. Like, I remember hearing about that and everybody was like, meh, at yeah, the time. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that animated series even existed, which is, is weird for me because it was like, I knew, I knew all about the, uh, Mr. Joan Hart live action because I used to watch that, like, on CITV. I used to love it. Like, you watch it for Salem and Salem alone, but it was great. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, a lot of the characters were great in that show, but Salem yeah. was definitely, like, star favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Salem, Salem was the best thing about that show. Um, so, yeah, in January 2000, it was rebooted again from number one, and this ran alongside the animated series. And then in 2004, this comic got a manga makeover, which, yeah, the less said about that, the better. Yeah, um, we said we wouldn't bring it up, Greg. Exactly. Yeah, we said that, we wouldn't bring this up, but, Greg. But this, now this, people are going to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> I googled it, so you will as well. Okay, so this <laughs> this ended with issue 104 and ran until 2009, and it was supposedly a little bit more serious with like actual story arcs and continuing arcs and things like that. And it got published in manga volumes, I think. Um, I think that's the story, anyway. Um, but yeah, like, yeah, the less said about that, the better, I guess. Um, there was a crossover with Sonic the Hedgehog as well, actually, during that era. <laughs> No, there wasn't. Yes, there was. (laughs) Issue 28 of Sabrina was a crossover with Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh, yeah, because in America, um, Sonic came out by Archie Comics. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, of course. And um, Oh, I need need to to find that. That's going to be amazing. (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) Uh, She appears in other Archie books occasionally, as I've already mentioned. And then uh, this sort of like brings us up to present day, which I've already talked about, where she's been appearing in the recent Archie comics. Um, and, um, we've got the, uh, so we've also got these, uh, these more sort of like the, these, these chilling tales of Sabrina comics as well, which are, 
um, published on the Archie Horror imprint, uh, and they started in 2014. Now, they're set in the 60s. It's a darker take on the characters. Um, and it's inspired by the appearance of Sabrina in Afterlife with Archie, which is the other book by um, Aguirre Sacasa, which is his other Archie Horror book. And um, um, Francesco Francovilla as well. Yes, yes, Francesco Francovilla, who is a, amazing. Oh, wow. he's like one of my favorite artists. He's great. Um, so we end up with like, um, these, these like Archie, this Archie horror book that has ran, it's ran for eight issues, but that's eight issues since 2014. And it just, it seems to be like on a really irregular publishing schedule. And I can't, for the life of me, find out what is happening with it. Like I've got the first volume here, which collects up to issue, five i believe and there's three issues missing missing from the back of it um which i've managed to catch up on i've read these next three issues but it doesn't nowhere says it's being cancelled or that it's on hiatus or anything like that but it just it just seems to have just sort of like gone silent and we've not seen an issue of it for such a long time and Um, it looks super doubtful that we are going to, considering that the writer is the showrunner on two shows at the moment. <laughs> yeah, so he's just made himself busy with TV now, and uh, this comic that I really like is not going to see the light of day anymore, which is bittersweet because I like his TV shows. But yeah, <laughs> there we go. Um, and yeah that that brings us up to where we are with the tv adaption because the this uh the the, the chilling adventures of sabrina the, the television show that we're about to talk about is based primarily on these comics so these uh the archie horror books is kind of where they draw most of what happens and and most of the aesthetic and everything else from um now Running up to this as well, I've noticed that Riverdale's been getting a little bit spooky. Uh, we've, we've been getting like these, um, the, the Gargoyle King, which, and, and this, this whole D&D thing going on, like, and I've talked about this on previous episodes as well, that this feels to me like it's some kind of comment on Satanic Panic and the whole D&D is evil thing from the early 80s and late 70s and all that stuff. Um, and, I'm hoping that they're going to cross the two up somewhere and like bring them together in some way. Um, that's what I'm hoping anyway. And I'm sure you're hoping the same, right, Leon? Well, yeah, because it, it leads on from um, things that were happening in early seasons. So yeah. during season one, um, when the show is back, uh, well, I say back, when the Riverdale characters are back, in the zeitgeist for the first time since mm. ever, I guess. And yeah, yeah. we've got this TV show, um, which everyone's hyped and excited about, and it's doing really well. Um, the showrunner, uh, uh, other executive producers did mention they had plans to, uh, bring Sabrina in. I mean, we know it's, uh, she's in the universe, she's in the town over in Greendale. They're only separated by that Sweetwater ri- uh, river. So, yeah. Um, it felt like, like they have Josie. I mean, I know Josie's always been a bit more um, Riverdale centric uh, in terms of location. Um, it felt like, yeah, maybe season two they, they'll uh, introduce her, uh, mm. and the doors open for that. And and then in season two, at the beginning, yeah, when we were still hopeful about season two, um, yeah, that there was just sort of this like 
uh, spooky ramp uh, uh, ramp up, and you had that um, that episode uh, with the crate, which I can't remember the name of it at the moment. Um, I know the one. It was the it was like a it was like a Halloween anthology comic in a yeah. TV episode because it did like a short segment with each like a, a different bunches of characters. Yeah, and, and they the overlap. The Archie and Jughead section uh, segment even was the bit where they do like some delivery of some kind of like demon or something in a crate, and it's all very cloak and dagger. It's all very weird and eldritch yeah and they've got this crate on the back of the truck and there's some weird stuff going on and then you've got like yeah tony todd has this weird cameo where he's in it for two seconds <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, so it yeah had this like cool spooky vibe and also at the same time they had this storyline going on with cheryl my favorite yeah. character who um <laughs> she seemed to like have superpowers or something they were kind of hinting at yeah and there was there were these uh like sort of fan i think on reddit where, where all of this gets cooked up but there yeah. are these like fan theories of oh like her being spooky or whatever she's yeah. probably going to be revealed to be a witch and then that'll be the back door for sabrina to have like a backdoor pilot and then yeah. lead on to her show which well, at the time was going to be uh on the cw yeah i mean there was that whole thing as there's that there's like that there's like whole bits as well where cheryl's doing like near like almost witchy things during the oh, show. Oh, Josie, yeah. Yeah, and then and then there's, like, the whole thing where she's, like, when she, there's, like, this scene where she's sunbathing and she's reading a book and it looks like a really old tome. Like, and you're thinking that's going to be, like, a book of magic or something. Yeah, yeah. It basically yeah, teases Some us. kind of grimoire or, of, or such, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, listen to us, like, the only two Riverdale fans here, I think. I, I know, Possibly. I think, I, I'm not sure if this is an exact quote from Rahul, but something along the lines of, I am done with Riverdale's bullshit. <laughs> I mean, I may have said it in a nicer tone than that, but the words are great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, I kind of feel the same way. I feel like it's fallen off the wagon a little bit for me, but... yeah, And, like, I'm, I'm openly the one of the three of us who likes television the least generally like i can't sit through that many hours of the same thing and yeah. to be fair riverdale was good enough for season one and for most of season two that i stuck with it for like a good 30 odd episodes and that's saying something for me particularly and i kind of really wish they had dived deeper into the whole cheryl being a witch thing or had that be the back door to sabrina i think that would have been a really yeah. cool reveal but i mean that's, we got what we got in in all fairness um the thing that's keeping me going on Riverdale right now is just Archie and, uh, sorry, Jughead and Betty. I I couldn't hmm. care less about what's happening with Archie in prison right now and all that stuff. That's that's Archie's just... in prison. Ooh. Yeah, but the um... <laughs> <laughs> the way you said that, yeah, spoiler, yeah, <laughs> that says, says a yeah. lot to me because I yeah. feel the same. <laughs> yeah, it's Archie's a thing. In it's a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. great. But, but the uh, the 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 thing that's keeping me going right now is like Jughead and Betty and they've been they've been I think they've been my two favorite characters throughout the whole yeah. thing actually to be honest I think Jughead mm -hmm. and Betty are like the best so. well I mean speaking of Jughead and you mentioned satanic panic right yeah. I hear if you play any episode of Riverdale backwards Jughead puts his shirt back on and that's terrible <laughs> <laughs> uh so um <laughs> Moving on from there, then, what is everybody's first experience with Sabrina as a character? And we'll just go around and ask you one by one. So, Vicky, we'll start with you. What is your like sort of like first memory of Sabrina? First experience with Sabrina as a character? 
my first experience with Sabrina was actually in um the made for TV film Sabrina in Rome, I think it was, where she goes to Rome and has this whirlwind romance with a uh, an American dude she meets there and and um there's this whole like plot where she has to something about like her her aunt's locket um and she has to free her spirit or something and and it was um you know as as a young girl I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Um, and obviously Salem was the best character. So he, he's, um, always been the cat of my dreams and I'm really disappointed that my cat doesn't speak to me like that. So yeah, he's the cat yeah. everyone wants. Mm-hmm, and, absolutely. And this is, I'm, I'm guessing the, um, Melissa Joan Hart years as well. So this would be like, it, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never watched a sitcom cause I was living in Asia at the time and we didn't get it there. It wasn't popular enough to be imported to China. Oh, we, we <laughs> sadly, yeah, that's quite that's kind of sad because it, it was it was great yeah. and it was something that I'm I, sure I'm sure it yeah. was. I think did we? I can't. I think I had it on Nickelodeon for a while, and then when we didn't have cable, um, it was on Channel Three on ITV here in the UK. Yeah, it was. So we it was on some sort of yeah, like morning TV yeah. show for sure. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I can't remember what it was on. Was it Nickelodeon in the states that it was on? Um, yeah, because I, I did eventually catch it when I was yeah. a bit older. Yeah, and it still, it was still somehow magical to me. It was, you know, it wasn't probably as funny as I would have found it when I was little, but I still really enjoyed it. It was just the characters are so charming, and the ants are the best. You know, I love, mm. love a good spinster ant. Love yeah. that trope. Well, you got two of them. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do for the price of one. Love it. Yeah. Um, Ray, how about you? Yeah, it would have been, um, well, I was going to say it would have been the Melissa Joan Hart TV show, but I think that's wrong, actually. I remember, I think I've spoken on the cast about how I got into Archie, Casper, and a couple of other, like, Archie-adjacent comics when I used to go to India. And the hotel that me and my parents always stayed at had a little shop down in the in the basement, and they had a huge back catalogue of these tiny um, Archie comics, like stacks and stacks of them. And it turns out, just at the weekend, um, me and Leon went to to meet a mutual friend. And he also used to travel to India around the same time I did when I was quite young. And he remembered it as well. So it wasn't just it wasn't just a solo thing that happened to be in the one hotel that I stayed at. Like, apparently it was a it was a countrywide thing. And it was, you know, it was quite popular in India. Um, so that would have been my first exposure to Archie in general. Um, I remember, like, pouring over those, like, tiny, small format pocket comics and I'm pretty sure Sabrina was in that, but I don't remember any specific examples from there. Mm. But then definitely after that was as a teenager watching um, Sabrina the Teenage Witch and just really digging it. Like there's there's a lot of charm to those characters and I really, everybody loves Salem. And like, yeah, yeah it was just a nice, um, nice slice of life kind of stories of being a witch in a modern setting. And um, I just really enjoyed that. And that's I'm going to get to that later when we talk about The Chilling Adventures, but that's something... Yeah that I was hoping for more of, uh, you know, that slice of life, how to deal with being a witch in the modern day. Yeah. Mm. And Leon? Yeah, my exposure would have been uh, the uh, 96 TV show. Um, I think had it the same way where I watched it on Nickelodeon and then I uh, watched it on CITV, I believe. Um, uh, it's, it's always weird because in my head, I always think of it as like it was a kid's program because it came on Nickelodeon. It actually aired in prime time on ABC in America. It was like a prime time sitcom. Oh, no way. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah like it, it premiered to like 17 million viewers, which in 96 times 
would have made it terrible. Like, that's low. <laughs> but now that's like would be the highest rated show on TV. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so like I was exposed to it that way, and then I remember I never really had a big exposure to um, Archie Comics, but I I was always um, aware of them. And I remember later on, maybe sometimes during my teens, um, I can't remember where I was in a library or something, and they had a bunch of them. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, uh, Josie and the Pussycats, which I knew as being a Hanna-Barbera TV show. Yeah. Oh, she's part of that world. And then um, the same thing with Sabrina. I was like, oh, I, I didn't know that she was part of, a, uh, part of the comic. Yeah. Um, and I'd only really... I'd only really seen a couple of stories where she showed up, but she was always the sort of like a side character. But um, yeah, mostly it, it's uh, Melissa Joan Hart and, uh, and and the talking cat uh, are the things that are imprinted on my memory. Yeah, I my sort of, again, like for me, like I've, I've explained, it would have been like CITV or Nickelodeon and it would have been the Sabrina, like the 96 sitcom. Um, I feel like having looked it up, in prep for this show, I might have seen the Filmation cartoon at some point in my childhood, but I can't place it because it looks familiar. Uh, this is like some old 1960s cartoon that's set in the 60s um, about Sabrina. Um, but yeah, I it would have been... And, and there's a particular episode that just sticks in my head because I think it was one that they used to rerun a lot. And it was one where they start a band... Sabrina and her friends at school um and this is the the Melissa Joan Hart show again by the way the 96 one and um there's this whole thing where they're wearing worm costumes and they do a cover of one way or another and it just like I associate that song with Sabrina the Teenage Witch now (laughs) and it's just like stuck in my head that way and that that is that is what's been done to me by this show so yeah this is Um, either real or you were like buzzing off coca pops one day <laughs> no man it's real it's real it's real <laughs> it is definitely real because they were they it, it, they i've watched this episode like i must have watched because it's one they used to rerun a lot and i think i must have seen it at least 10 times thinking about it but yeah it was just like they wear these worm costumes on stage and they do a cover of one way or another and that is what stuck in my head that was like the prevailing memory of that show um so yeah on to the main event, which is finally, which is the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is the Netflix show. So, um, we should start with why were we excited for the show specifically? And I guess I'll open this up by saying that it was. I think it's the I think it's the fact that I I, I had read these Chilling Adventures comics, uh, the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I. I think it was the it was learning that they were going to do a Sabrina show and that it would be kind of based on these comics or that the writer of these comics was going to be working on it and I was already very um very excited about Riverdale by this point because I'd already gotten into Riverdale and started watching Riverdale and was enjoying Riverdale with my enjoyment of Archie comics and um I think it is just, it was just having, you know, knowing, knowing the, the, the comics and thinking, wow, they're going to adapt this. And this is such a, a great story. Like they're really good horror comics. And if they adapt this well and they go as dark as I want them to, then it's going to be absolutely fantastic. And, uh, it really didn't disappoint. Um, so 
Vicky, what was how how did you kind of like your your kind of hype for this show? Where did that come from? Um, I mean, I I watch a lot of TV. If it's on Netflix, I will watch it. So I um I I was particularly excited because I think you know it's I think we're in kind of a new golden age of horror TV actually, and horror has gotten obscenely smart in the last couple of years, both in terms of cinema and um, what's on the small screen. And I guess I'm, I'm, I'm loving that witches are finally getting their moment. I mean, I, I know that we probably, you know, witches have existed for, for such a long time that they're always kind of in the popular imagination, but I love that they're, they're getting the spotlight at the moment, which I think has to do with the whole concept of a matriarchy. Mm. Yeah. And I, I just, I love that, you know, from, from the, the A24 film, The Witch to, to Sabrina, you've, you've got such a range of witches depicted and, and they come in all shapes and sizes. And, and I like that Sabrina is a 16 year old girl. I think <laughs> that's a, it's, it's a great lead in to, to witches. Um, as opposed to depicting them as, you know, like crone, you go in the other direction and depict the yeah. virgin. And what, I love that. <laughs> what was that other film? Uh, The Craft. Oh yeah, and they're remaking yeah. that one too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think me so, and Leon. Oh, sorry, carry on. <laughs> no, 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 no. On you go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. I think I think me and Lo- me and Leon were excited as well because we were like we wanted because we heard about this idea for Sabrina and we kind of built this show in our heads that was kind of like a made for TV remake of The Craft. Yeah, but yeah, with but much. with Riverdale <laughs> characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, um, because what the um Roberto. He also did the Carrie remake, didn't he? And Carrie's obviously, you know, she to me is is definitely a a witch, yeah, um, of of the highest order. And I I love, you know, I've I've written a couple of papers about witches, so they're they're always at the forefront of my mind. Anyway, I I love anything to do with a witch, and and I love how versatile they are, and and how kind of empowering they are at the moment. I don't think they've always been an empowering figure for women, but I think at the moment, really. It's almost like a reclamation of of this character and yeah. um, this this archetype that that makes her really quite fascinating, especially in in this cultural moment that we're in at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> so many moments. <laughs> um, Ray, your hype. I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I I just wanted to see a, a very prettily shot show about cool people doing mystical things. I think like. Um, I was high off the the aesthetic of Riverdale. I think that was a thing that really worked for me, like the moodiness of that show, like the the heightened um, teen drama, all of that was really worked for me. And then on top of it, it had like beautiful imagery and it was like really well shot and like had this like languid syrupy pace to it, which I, I really liked. And I wanted to see that transposed over to... Um, well, I didn't really know what to expect in terms of like the the horror of it all because I hadn't read the comic at that point, you know, when when the hype was building for this show, but I trusted in I trusted in the aesthetic of Riverdale coming over and just it being about characters that I knew but, you know, being given a different twist and I think generally I like that these days where we're getting um either remakes or, you know, reinterpretations of things that we loved as children. And then giving them a darker twist or just giving them a completely different facet to view it from. That's what got me excited. Yeah. Um, I guess there's a, there's a touch of that with me as well. Like, but I think that was more for me. It was, as I said before, it was more the, the, the comics and knowing the comics were going to be adapted and knowing what I know about the comics and having read the books and loving them so much. That was what the thing was for me. Leon, um, where did your hype come from for Sabrina? 
Um, so, like we mentioned this um, last year in the All Hallows Eve episode, yeah, um, that we did, um, and that was the first time of me rereading and completing uh, *Chilling Adventures of Sabrina*. Yeah, and with Riverdale in full swing at that time, uh, yeah, I think it, it would have been a few episodes. No, season two. I'm confused. Anyway, oh, it was a mid-season replacement. Yeah, so season yeah. two had just begun. And um, and then, yeah, I think it built there from multiple ways because um, I really liked the book. I uh, really liked how dark the book was compared to sort of my memories of Sabrina. And I thought, oh, I, I don't think I've ever really encountered a thing where you've had the person who wrote the... I mean, it's probably happened with... It, it definitely happened with books a lot, mm. uh, with limited HBO series and such, but... I'd never had a, had a thing where, like, the person who did the comic was also, like, the executive producer on the show, and that was happening with uh, Riverdale. Yeah, yeah. And I, I knew that uh, Aguirre Sarcasa was going to be doing that with Sabrina, so I thought, like, my mind just boggled on, like, oh, like, it's... Because at the time, it was just called Sabrina, and then when they announced the title, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, I was like, yes. holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit! He's he's he like he's he's going ham. He's he's going to do it. Yeah, it, it's not going to mess around, and it's not going to be like, yeah, oh, we're going to throw in some of the ninety show and throw in blah blah. It's just like no, no. It's just this take of the character with uh, maybe a Susan of the Riverdale sexiness in there. Um, so I, I was kind of hyped for that, and, and I think it just built because like I said, we had that season two of um, Riverdale at the beginning, and I was just thinking like, oh, this is unlike they're going to, like, drop her in the show and, like, oh, uh, like, which stuff, Cheryl, blah, blah. And then when it was announced that, um, well, at that time, season two started to, like, feel a bit, like, different as they started getting uh, up their own butts with the, the Red Hood stuff. But, uh, <laughs> uh, and then it was announced that the show, that uh, Netflix would be fully producing it because here in the UK, yeah. uh, Netflix uh, have the exclusive rights yeah. to showing the CW's uh, um, Riverdale show. But this was going to be a wholly Netflix um, effort, and that yeah. just blew my mind because I thought, like, oh wow, like sort of the gloves are, are off in in a way that they wouldn't be on on network TV. And in that moment, I thought this is probably going to be better than Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, j- just in the case of that, Riverdale's trying to do something different, and I, I I've got a lot of love for Riverdale still, but like, I I I didn't think that an, a Netflix version of the Sarcasa. Uh, Aguirre Sarcasa, Hack, um, Robert Hack, uh, comic, I thought they would, like, sand down the edges. And then when it was announced for Netflix, then the hype built, and then they fully got me, even before the trailer, they fully got me when they released the poster, and it's just, like, the the white hair silhouette with the black headband and uh, the Salem in the face with the lipstick, and I thought, this is... This is going to be my jam. Um, I'm making it no plans that that weekend. Yeah, like no, everyone is dead to me. I, I think it's going to be something special. So, so that was my my yeah. hype leading into it. Yeah, for me, it was um, when when I saw some of the trailers and uh, actually got to see what they'd done with it, and I was like, oh, okay. And then you telling me as well that it wasn't going to be on tv first that it was going straight to Netflix, and I was like, oh, okay, because I knew then that they would be able to like gloves off it. And they did it really well. Um, uh, can I just chime in and say yeah. a lot of my hype was stemming off of you guys being just that hype about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. I got excited because you guys were excited. Yeah. I mean, it was coming up to Halloween. I love Halloween. 
I love spooky stuff. So it was like, that was the whole thing for me. It was like, oh, I'm going to get this show and it's going to be fantastic. And I was really <laughs> looking forward to it. Um, but I, I just want to mention as well, Leo, I just want to correct you there. Did you mean the Black Hood? Because you said the Red Hood. And unless Jason Todd <laughs> rocked up into Riverdale with twin pistols. To be honest, I was, I was expecting you to uh, correct me as soon as it left my mouth, but yeah. I was like, oh, so I kept going. <laughs> Imagine that, Jason Todd turning up in Riverdale. Yeah. Um, so that was, that, that's pretty much like the hype building towards the show with that Halloween coming up and everything else and everyone's kind of on board for it and whatever. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was just that general mood, I guess, that general Halloween mood. Cause I get really into Halloween, are you? I, I like tend to carve like myriad pumpkins and put them all out in front of the house <laughs> and get everything ready. Like we, we have like loads of, we've still got the Halloween decorations up now, actually. I've still like, cause I've not taken them down yet. I've still got like bats in the window and like, <laughs> I've got like, um, oh, what do you call it? Where it's like little flags. <sighs> Bunting. I was going to say it. semaphore, but oh, little flags. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you call yourself an Englishman. <laughs> yeah. Bunting. Bunting. Yeah. Uh, I've got Love bunting it. with with like bats, and then I've got another one that's all skeletons and stuff, just like hanging up in the house. And we've not took them down yet. Got these little Ooh. green spider lights as well, and a skeleton hanging in the window, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's wow. the equivalent of Christmas for you, isn't it? Like you it don't take pretty Christmas much is. Tree down straight away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think I would ever meet someone who liked Halloween as much as I did. And having said that, I did nothing for Halloween this year because everyone was so busy, and it was so disappointing. Oh uh, yeah, I I didn't have I I sometimes have people over for Halloween and we just watch movies and stuff. But... I always do. I always do. It's like since yeah. I was a little girl, this has been like my favorite holiday. You know, people people get excited about Christmas and I'm like, no, but Halloween you get to dress up. Yeah, and you get, yeah, yeah. get to dress up as spooky things, and no one can judge you. <laughs> Halloween comes first. It comes before Christmas. Exactly. Can't, can't think about Christmas until Halloween's done. And what. Well, I mean, for me, I didn't really yeah. grow up with Halloween, but I had a really good one a couple of years ago where it fell on the same week as Diwali. So we oh, had wow. Diwaloween where we made we got <laughs> we got pumpkins and we put like orms and swastikas into them and stuff, and it was it was really cool. Like we normally do, um, like paintings made out of um, coloured sand, right? And so we did loads of spooky orange and black themed ones because like it just seemed appropriate to merge the two things together. So that's the best Halloween I've had. That's yeah. incredible. That sounds yeah, that awesome. Really cool. Yeah. You should do that every year on the weekend that falls between the two. Well, I mean, I, th- I yeah. feel like it was special because it happened to fall on almost the same day. So yeah, yeah. I feel like the next time, like it'll be like the blood moon, you know, where yeah. it's it's a special occasion. So yeah. I'll let you guys know for the next one. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to celebrate that with you. That sounds great. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, like I've again, I've always loved Halloween since I was a kid, actually, as well. Like my my thing was growing up with the Ghostbusters and from a very early age wanting to be a ghostbuster and that was my introduction to the supernatural and the paranormal and everything else and obsessed with it since then i used to read books about like the unknown and about hauntings i used to scare myself actually with this stuff when i was a kid because i used to have this book about vampires that used to petrify <laughs> me that i i think i've told you guys about this before haven't i ray yeah where i would read it and then i would hide it on top of my wardrobe so i wouldn't have to look at it when i was falling asleep <laughs> You know, I mean, Greg, like, Greg, sometimes you tell me this story when you're drunk, let alone like, when it's appropriate for the cast. That <laughs> vampire book scarred me for well. life, but it was a cool book. And I'm annoyed that I can't find it now because I, I, I really wish I still had it. It was called like the Vampire Scrapbook or something. Oh, and it wow. was like, like all about 
vampire like different stuff about vampires and it was presented in kind of like a fact book kind of way and Vicky, so, you have access to scholarly articles stuff. right and i do yeah, yeah you could go yeah i should i know i i really i really should because that sounds that sounds that sounds great i mean i i don't i've never found vampires scary and then in high school i read salem's lot like just a couple of days before halloween and i was so scared that i had to go out and buy myself a cross that was that was how scared I was. Wow. It was um I know it was a life-changing experience cuz you know vampires yeah. aren't especially now they're so defanged that that they're <laughs> they're hardly scary scary anymore. You know, we get sparkly vampires now, not menacing no. ones that show up at your window in the middle of the night. So I think I was more scared of vampires than anything else as as far as stuff like that was concerned. Oh, poltergeists. Mm-hmm. Poltergeists scared me because you don't see them. Yeah, they poltergeists just do my thing. Yeah. They, the two things that used to scare me when I was a kid was vampires and poltergeists specifically. I think but, I told you the story of how I watched, when I was like five years old, I watched Terminator 2 and Ghost on the same night for Eve. <laughs> and Ghost scared me way more than Terminator. Because like when he's, when he's pushing that coin and it freaked yeah. me the fuck out. Yeah, I hated it. I don't yeah. think I've ever watched it since actually. I'm going to have to go back. That is so funny. <laughs> it's not. It's, it's terrifying. No, because that's such, to me, that's another one of those films where, you know, ghosts are sexy as opposed to scary. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Patrick Swayze was kind of scary for a five-year-old as well. So. <laughs> so what we're saying here is that ghost is the twilight of its time. <laughs> Do you know what? I think you've got a point there because yeah. that that is... that. What Twilight did to vampires, I feel like ghosts did to ghosts. Like it, it's just <laughs> such a such a terrible, like schmaltzy film that I happen to really enjoy watching from time to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um it's been a, it's been ages since I've seen Ghost actually. But yeah, um so that was yeah, that was my thing. Like vampires, I used to be petrified of vampires as a kid and Ghostbusters as well as introducing me to stuff that frightened me, also helped me deal with stuff that frightened me. So that was cool because I had the whole thing in my head about there are ways to stop these things. Maybe, maybe like when I'm older and I'm a, I can become a scientist and build this stuff, you know. But yeah, um, so I actually like going back to Sabrina again. I actually kind of, uh, as I was saying earlier, I semi binged the show. So. I sort of watched it in kind of like three episode bursts because me and Sophie would sit down and we'd do one episode and we'd be like, oh, we can't leave it there. We've got to watch another one. So we'd watch another one and we actually finished it on Halloween night. That was our October 31st. Like we had like the the bowl of sweets for kids on on the, the middle of the coffee table and we were just waiting for the door to knock and just pausing Netflix when the door knocked. And we kind of like watched the last four episodes back to back and also ate the majority of the sweets that we were meant to be giving out <laughs> so that was cool yeah so that's that's kind of like my my experience with with the way i watched it it kind of like semi binged it so um vicky did you binge it or did you pace yourself or i think i did all 10 episodes at once um and it's it's more of like a can i do this for 10 hours straight um, was it ten? Was it ten episodes, or was it fewer? Actually, I can't yeah. remember. But I did. I did all of them at once. Yeah, it was yeah. ten. It was definitely ten. I think I started in the morning because I knew when it was going to come out. And the best thing about doing a PhD is, like, if you don't feel like doing work that day, you can pass off watching a horror show as your research. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is what I tell myself. Um, so yeah, I kind of, I kind of just went for it, and it wasn't. I mean, it was. I found the first half. I think more binge worthy than the second half but i suppose you can get into that more later 
Um, yeah, Ray, did you did you binge it or did you? Oh, pace Greg, I, I started off with such good intentions. I watched like two, three episodes in a row, and I was like riding high off it, and then I just fell off the wagon. And I basically watched five episodes yesterday. Like I, oh. I had to stay up really late to watch them all and like did... fit them in because I just couldn't. I didn't have the stomach for like that many hours of something yeah. in a row. Um. And again, I'll get into this a little bit later, but I think I was initially quite disappointed with, or not quite disappointed, a little bit disappointed with the show. And then I felt like, uh, opposite to Vicky, I think it ramped up towards the end for me a bit more. But maybe that's because I watched like the final episode on a train mm. and I was literally going up a ramp. Yeah, so you, you, you watched it on a little phone screen on the train. I mean, my I've got a nice phone. It was nice and bright and like I held it really close to my face. So, Oh my God, phone to the devil for that. <laughs> I, I i apologize i wouldn't do that for, like generally i wouldn't do that but i had a deadline yeah, so yeah, yeah no that's cool that's cool um leon um how did you watch so like i was saying in the rap was mega hyped and the plan was i didn't want to go too hardcore because when i um used to live in bristol me and my um flatmate Sometimes go too too hard on these shows, and like Orange is the New Black come out or something, whichever it was at the time, and we'd end up watching five episodes on the Friday night, go to bed really late, and then cancel all our plans on Saturday and finish the show in two days. Uh, so I wasn't going to go that hardcore, but I did want to watch like yeah. um, three episodes on the Friday and then um, divvy out the rest on Saturday and Sunday and be done. And um, Instead, I ended up watching two on the Friday, and I thought, like, yeah, yeah, cool, I'll, uh, and I'll continue this uh, tomorrow. But uh, and I did, I did start to binge, but I think part of it is I wasn't sat on a sofa, so I wasn't waiting for Netflix to do the Are You Still Watching? So I was sat on my computer. So after every episode, I would click the screen so that it didn't skip to the next episode because I like watching all the way to the end on, on end credits. Uh, so weird thing I like to do. So um, I and then that gives you a natural sort of stopping point. So I would use that to like go to the bathroom, blah blah, and then I started to get more like it was this mix of different feelings of like oh I don't want to rinse it all and it be gone, but at the same time, um, like I don't know I just wanted to like eh, stretch my legs, uh, catch up on the good place, like change it up because like I think. One of the, uh, to, we'll go into it more later, but one of the good things with, uh, in, is sort of the, it's made to be a thing where you continue watching every episode. Uh, yeah. It's not, not exactly cliffhangers, some are cliffhangers, but it, it, it's made to propel you forward in, in, in this way. Yeah. Um, but I kind of was wanting to reject that in some way and not do it that way. So that weekend I watched the eight episodes and then in the week, um, I finished the, uh, the last two. Mm. See, I, I found it far too easy to binge watch it, even though we had guests at that we- that <laughs> weekend before Halloween. Like, uh, Sophie's parents were visiting and her brother, and we're still watching Sabrina. <laughs> it's like, we're still <laughs> sitting there watching it, like, binging it. It's like, we've, we found, like, the only thing that I think stopped us from doing probably all 10 episodes in one day was the fact that we had people. 
Actually, one of, one of my favorite moments about this, this you know, this whole week or two since Sabrina's come out was on day one, the Friday when it came out, me and Leon had been watching it and we were teasing you about how much you'd like love the intro because of the Robert Hack visuals yeah. and everything. And that was that was a lot of fun, Greg, I have to admit. <laughs> yeah, because you'd started watching it and I hadn't started watching it by that point And I was like, I really mm. want to watch it. And the intro is beautiful. It is an amazing intro for that show. I, I watch the intro every time. Like, I skip the credits, but watch the intro. Um, And, yeah, it's just... I, a side note, actually. When when you're watching a show with someone, have you guys ever experienced the look of betrayal? Like, when you watch an episode without them? Like, you know, like, when, you, when you, you, you're watching a show, and then, like, they will have to go to work or, or do something else, but then, like, you'll get home before them or something, or you will... And you'll just start watching the next episode without thinking, without without remembering that you're watching it with someone else, and then they will catch you doing that. Have you ever had that happen to you? No, because I'm too scared of doing that. <laughs> Not that I... I mean, I don't do this. I yeah. wouldn't do this. But if I did, I wouldn't put it on air. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't record it on this show. To, so, like, for anyone to throw back in my face. <laughs> Are you trying to say that you've had the, the, the glare of disgust? With the Marvel way? shows, yeah. Like, like I'd be, uh, I'll be, i start watching, like, when Dead, the new season of Daredevil, like, I was, like, halfway through an episode of Daredevil before Sophie woke up, and I was downstairs with the coffee, and she came, and I was just like, you started watching it without me. <laughs> so I have rewinded it to the start of the episode. Like, there was no big argument or anything, but it's, that, it's just that kind of, like, it becomes like it becomes like betrayal doesn't it when you do that like you watch it without them and, and you've been watching it with them and it's like yeah we we wouldn't know greg we're not terrible people <laughs> i'm not a no, terrible my person husband, my husband knows not to trust me with these things like I'm, yeah. I'm always miles ahead of him because you know while he's at work <laughs> working very hard um i'm at home with netflix so yeah. he, he knows he knows i'm not to be trusted and therefore yeah. <laughs> he has just come to live with it yeah, I think if it happens in this house, we've got to the point where you you just go back to the point where the other person was at and you watch it with them without talking about it. Yeah, with, without like <laughs> dwelling t- without dwelling too much on the point. Like I had a similar thing with the haunting yeah. of Hill House, where like this yeah. happens a lot with me and I know where I'll start something and then realize like maybe three four episodes in that she would actually really like it, and then I have to make my case to her to say like actually if you guarantee that you're going to watch every episode with me i'll go back and watch the first four episodes again with you and generally i like doing that if it's something i like so much Mm. happy to watch it twice you know and that's normally how it goes we get like a third i get a third of the way through realize it's something for her bring her in and we start again yeah 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 um so um let's go to overall impressions of the show so um i actually like overall i really 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 enjoyed this and i was impressed with it actually in in the way that they've adapted the material from the comic they've adapted it obviously with some differences like it's not exactly the same uh but the 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 main beats are there and they they follow the main beats and the main themes are there with like the whole necromancy thing and everything else it's all it's all there um and it's it's a very very good adaption and it also does the thing that i like that riverdale does where it kind of has like subtle nods to the comic and the history of the characters and things like that just kind of like little subtle like pokes and and nods and points and things like that 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 kind of like if if you know about that stuff then you'll get it and you'll be like oh yeah 
um and it's nice to see that stuff come up it's like the examples from archie was um i, I guess i can i can talk about uh, examples from riverdale i can guess i can talk about this without because it's kind of like a whole season ago or whatever and it, it the archie archie's red circle now red circle was an a an, an Archie Comics imprint that published, um, like, uh, I think it, they published, um, like, sort of like horror comics for a time and also some superhero comics, um, on that imprint. And then Archie has, like, this group called the Red Circle in the show. And it's that kind of thing, that kind, those kind of, like, little things that they drop in, in, uh, in these shows that I really enjoy. And that was, that was, like, something that kept me watching as well. Um, Vicky, what was what was your overall impression of it? Um, I I, I liked it in general. Um, I I think <laughs> I think um, <laughs> I I definitely thought it it started out stronger than it than it finished for me yeah. anyway. Um, but but in, on the whole, I thought it was it was really strong. I I liked the the casting. I thought was particularly great. Mm. Um, everyone I thought was really really convincing in their roles. Um, but plot wise. I, I don't know things kind of felt at the end like they were meant to be very high stakes but for me the stakes were just very low again I, I struggle with that for with them um, Riverdale as well so yeah so it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it it was it was that I I wanted more I think mm. is what I would say yeah like for me it was um the the like the elements I did like about it were these little subtle nods and things like that and I also I just I think I don't think there was a start to finish for me. It just seemed to like be quite strong all the way through. There was, I don't think for me, it didn't have a weak moment as in there wasn't a point where I thought this is dropping off slightly or anything like that. I think it, I think for me, it started strong and it finished strong and I quite enjoyed um, some of the wackier moments in it as well. Cause there's, there's points where it's, it's almost funny instead of horrific mm. like um some of the hilda zelda moments which are really good but yeah we'll go into that when we get to the when we uh later on because we're gonna have a spoiler section but there's some really good like i, I think hilda is very well cast i really like hilda in this show absolutely mm. yeah hilda and um ambrose i think are the two are my two favorite characters in this um sure. ray how about you yeah so Kind of echoing what Vicky said, actually, although I think we're flipped on, uh, like, the half of the show that we enjoyed more. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I do feel like the plot sort of meandered for a long time. Like, the thing that initially attracted me was, like you said, the cast, the characters are amazing. Like, I love who these people are and, you know, what they're going through and, like, the life that they live. But it was more like a narrative or pacing issue I had with the first few episodes where it didn't drag me along. I felt... And this is a complaint I have with a lot of things. Like, I can watch movies and feel really out of, like, out of the frame, like, really not engaged with it because they're just not feeding me information at the right pace. So I think there's stuff about, like, how much Sabrina already knows at this point, you know, to at the age of 15 about the history of witches, about the history of her family. And it kind of doesn't mesh with what we see with her, like, confidence towards witchery or towards magic in general. There's stuff like that which just didn't... It resonated wrongly with me, and that mm. pulled me out of it. But, like, overall, I really enjoyed it. I like, I love the aesthetic of it. And, like, that's... I think we talked about this on the last episode, in fact, where that's something yeah. that can really drag me along. Like, just the mood and tone yeah. of a thing can really bring me into it. Like you said, Greg, I think there were points where they... 
they they like mixed horror and comedy in interesting ways, which is you know that's a that's the thing that that horror does generally. Like you know stuff like Sam Raimi, which I think there was there were points where this show was like channeling that kind of comedy horror. Um, but some points just didn't work for me. Like there were yeah. there were moments where it felt too much like early Buffy, and not enough like um, like the Evil Dead, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So um, did it did it have because there's points that gave me like you, you bring up Sam Raimi. There was points in it that gave me like drag me to hell vibes. You, yeah, for sure. Film, I mean, the, yeah. There was stuff about that whole like comically dark where something is disturbing but also funny but you can't help but laugh with a look of terror on your face and i don't i think that's what they were aiming for in certain places and i don't think they quite pulled it off but then at the same time i'm being very harsh on it because that for every yeah. moment where i felt like they didn't quite nail the tone yeah. for me at least i think there were 10 more which like really sold that that like I don't know the sexy vibe that they had in Riverdale, like Leon was saying. Like, yeah, that, that really worked. <laughs> it was just it, it felt like a mood that I could dip into because it was kind of like perfect for this time of year and whatever. Like I said, it's, it, it, Sabrina, the, the, the show felt like a mood I could dip into, and I think for for me, it kind of nailed it. When you bring up um, Sabrina's confidence or uh, underconfidence, I don't know which which way you were playing it there with with magic. Do you mean that she was overconfident or like? what what it's was the not so much about confidence but like how much what her knowledge base is i think like stuff like that yeah. really matters to me to get me to connect with the character like i didn't mm. it may and part of it is just you know being a teenager and having yeah. overconfidence which is definitely something that plays in towards yeah. the second half of the show which yeah. i really liked like that, that's something yeah. i really loved about her character where i you can i don't want to say too much before spoilers but yeah um yeah, it's that there. that thing, especially yeah. early on, where they, I don't think they expressed well enough what, you know, what her capability is and what her capability should be mm. for somebody who's gr- grown up as not just a witch, but a half witch, you know, like I just wasn't, yeah. I don't think that was clear. And I think it stopped being important after the halfway mark mm. anyway. And that's what I think when I was for me, on board. For me, it came across well that she was, a, like she'd had no, she, she'd grown up as a mortal in mortal school, but had powers and she kind of like had messed around with these powers at home and i can imagine she was probably taught bits by her aunts and things like that but as i say we'll go into that later but yeah uh leon your overall impression of the show yeah i mean listeners would probably sigh because it's it's, it's always the, the uh general thing of me whereas like um overall I, I had a really good time with the show um and i don't know like from the intro I'm like on board. The intro really like gears you up and gets you set up. And I think that the, um, the theme, um, the, um, uh, the visuals, the Robert Hack sort of motion comic, uh, visuals, uh, they're just done so well. And I like that they have that focus on the chilling adventures of Sabrina comic while bringing in, uh, some of the, the color and light, uh, say from the show in a way. So like that immediately sort of um, really warned me to the show and every episode um, as it came up, uh, it really like sort of uh, like geared me up and yeah, generally like I, I had a good time with the show and um, I, I'll, I'll skim over some of my like general thoughts on it. Um, and I've got more to see spoilers, but yeah, I mean like, yeah, it definitely gives me like serious, like Buffy vibes though. It's not a shop. It, it's more like, um, 
no, not not too much, but it's like it's someone inspired by, but it doesn't have, say, sort of the the cutting uh, commentary that um, mm. that uh, Wedden and his uh, other writers um, would inject. Uh, I wouldn't be as harsh to say like early, like season one ish, Buffy, but it, it it definitely is like gesturing to that way. But like, oh yeah, but it's it's done by the Riverdale people, and that, it's not meant to be as um, harsh a, a, a thing, a burn, I guess, as, as it probably will sound. Hmm. But I, I do have that um, that feeling. It's all, it's all very surface level and light in some areas, while getting like mega deep in other areas. But yeah, I, I mean, I'm a massive, massive, massive uh, Buffy fan, and um, I'm here for anything sort of. Uh, taken influence from it but yeah it's, it's, a, it's a mix of that really but it's like it has a hint of say that out of time americana that you get with riverdale where it could be set in the 50s or now um and it is <laughs> where like um they purposely sort of uh keep it timeless in that way which i which i really like um um i don't know if i agree with you the fact that Riverdale's timeless i mean this is probably a conversation for another time but riverdale feels very very modern in some ways, but I mean, I think the aesthetics are very historical then. So they have modern yeah. people, um, but then you, you go to hospitals and everyone's dressed to how they were in the 50s and such. And the yeah. cars are generally older style cars, just like in this. Yeah. So I guess what I mean like that is more like a stylistic um, option than Rev, uh, I guess, more thematic. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I think like it has that plus the sort of like high melodrama that uh, Riffle has that's a bit more grounded mm. in the, in this, which is weird because this is the fantasy show, <laughs> um, and it has like especially more uh, I guess throughout actually it has that sort of hyper referentialness of Riverdale, where mm. um, if anything dates will date it, and not really in a negative way, but it's like um, everyone has seen everything, so like, m- movies, books, everything mm. like. It, uh, and, it, and it's really cool because the references in this aren't just pop culture. They are sort of like um, a cult history and um, just general uh, like magic and different uh, historical figures. So I really like that. Um, I will like say in terms of say the flow of the show, I know I, I can, I felt what uh, Rahul and Vicky are feeling in, in, in terms of the, so like you wanted more, of a sort of slice of life. That was what you thought you wanted when you went into the show, Rahul. And I think what, because the show is more focused on the adventure, it sort of half asses the slice of life to a degree. Mm-hmm. And then that leads to uh, like world building, just ending up being sacrificed to exposition dumps. And there are certain things they do throughout the show that we'll talk about later that, I think saves it from the worst of that in terms of um, how it deals with, say, the supporting characters. But it, it definitely does suffer from that. Um, and as a typical Netflix show, it's too long. But um, none of this was enough to make me not enjoy an episode, even though they were like too, often sixty minutes long. Too long. <laughs> <laughs> too long. Yeah, definitely. Ten episodes wasn't enough. No, well, I, I would have preferred um, 10 episodes of meat uh, rather than say 7 episodes of meat and 3 episodes of fat because like <laughs> it's it's un, uneconomical in how it handles some stuff but like I said I'll, 
I was never sort of tapping tapping the yeah. my arm where my uh, watch would be. But um, yeah, it wasn't as tight as it could be. And if it wanted to have the exact same time, they could have used some of that time a bit more efficiently and spent more time with more interesting characters and less time yeah. with boring, uninteresting characters. But um, going to what Fitch um, was saying about the stakes, I think because it's stuck in that adventure and because we don't really, because the slice of life loses out to the adventure, we we don't really know much about the town apart from what when someone mm. speaks about it in the monologue for, for five minutes. And yeah. what that means is that when things ramp up, um, you you don't really have a good sense of place for the mm. town, and it, you don't really have a good sense of what other people's relationship is toward the history. I mean, you get tiny elements of that, which I really like, but I, I think that it, it's almost serving, trying to serve two masters, the, the, the main thrust of the plot, and in, in my issue is more, it's less that the beginning or the end I felt was weaker, it's more that I think it takes... A, a gradual dip. So the dip is never, oh, I hate episode, whatever. But it's more a case of like, mm. uh, from the beginning to the end, I like the episodes less and then I start liking yeah. the episodes more. Mm. I can, uh, yeah. oh, sorry, carry on. Oh, <laughs> no, 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 I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say like, um, I, I think it ends up sticking parts of the landing, but because of that dip, it does have an effect on sort of the final stakes in the show. Yeah. Uh, Vicky, what were you? What are you going to chime in with? Well, I think Leon is just actually he's verbalized really well. I think most of my thoughts in the show. I think I, I think what I was missing was that element of building up the town and 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 really I think doing service to the mortal characters because I actually just did not care about them enough. I thought the the more compelling characters were all magical, um, and. I don't know. I, I don't. I, I think it handles some things well with the mortal characters, but I really did not like the characterization of her friend as like this kind of magical Negro character, almost mm. with this cunning. And I think that's that's mm. going back into something that is actually really dangerous for for especially for a horror film, um, or a horror series rather. Um, and and you know the town itself is such a it's such a great setting, and and I do love this whole sense of the suburban gothic that both Riverdale and I think Sabrina, we're trying to go for, you know, the sense of like the American small town stuck in the past kind of, but in, almost in a timeless sense. I think that is something that is uniquely American. Mm. And I wish they would have leaned into that a little bit more because Riverdale actually does quite a good job of leaning into that kind of gothic element about the suburbs. Yeah. But I think Sabrina probably could have, you know, all, all the spooky things seem to be coming from the supernatural elements of it. And when there's so much that's kind of rooted into... American geography and the whole concept of an American mm. small town and especially a mining town that is so gothic yeah. that it really would have lent, I think something just a little bit like a, a something to root yeah. it. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> Go Leon. Uh, I was just going to say, I think part of that comes from how naked, uh, both shows where their influences on their sleeves. Um, so with Riverdale, you have that that uh, gothic Americana, um, but then it's a heavy, heavy dosing of like Lynch, who obviously is from that sort of sort of that school as well, but has a particular aesthetic and, and like style choices. So um, they sort of dip into that well when they um, want to uh, do the whole 
behind this picket fence is evil and uh, like adultery and blah 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 blah. Um, whereas uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, that part is that element is fully, fully, fully focused on uh, all of their favorite horror movies uh, because like frame to frame, scene to scene are um, uh, references to uh, like at least ten per, per, per shot. Of, uh, <laughs> yeah. of different horror movies, and yeah. it, 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 and because um, they, they lean so heavy on on that, those influences instead of sort of uh, taking and sort of uh, making something new with it, because a lot of it is like that looks cool. Let's put this in there. I think that's why you end up missing out on uh, that extra layer, that next layer of depth. Yeah, mm. I think. I think I feel like Sabrina was probably designed to be a celebration of your favorite horror movies. Um, I think that's how that's how they they built this thing to to yeah. function that way, and to be kind of like a celebration of that the, the, the horror genre, and to be presented in that way for Halloween for something that you can watch. I think I think it was purely designed and built with that in mind when they put it together and there's certain episodes that feel like homages to certain horror movies and things like that which we can get into later um particularly one episode that sticks in my mind but um uh before we move on to spoilers or anything um, I wasn't. I wasn't going to go into spoilers yet. Okay, cool. I'm just going to say I've got a few more, few more thoughts that I just want yeah. to run through quickly. Yeah. So, um, going back to the intro briefly, I was super disappointed that it does the whole uh, from the characters from Archie Comics and doesn't give any shout yeah. out to George Gadot or um, Dan DiCarlo. And I know, obviously, uh, um, <coughs> Aguas name is all over the thing because he's the producer yeah. on the TV show now. But there's no. Robert Hack's art is all over that intro, and he's just no shout out at all. And no name yeah. for that, Matt. Yeah, that's yeah, like, kind of bad. <laughs> that's really bad. Yeah. That, yeah. that that I found that annoying because I, I think like when people like DC um, are doing better than that, and Marvel, who are sort of in their history, yeah. have been pretty bad at, at doing stuff, uh, at, um, not not giving people their due. When yeah. when they are the names of the people who created the thing are are there. Um, like, come on, a TV show, yeah, uh, show run by someone who is a writer yeah. in the comics. Should know I, I was better. hoping, I was yeah. hoping that whatever reason that happened, whoever upstairs or blah blah, I hope they rectify that because, yeah, uh, I, I just don't like something to be like so indebted to its source material and then just say like this just happened, yeah. this just happened. It, 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 we got yeah. these things from these funny books and. It, but we've changed it into something else. It's like, uh, there's, there's so much there. And so like, yeah. I was confused by that, but, uh, on the cast, I really like the cast. I was, uh, pleasantly surprised with all the Brits in there who are actual mm. Brits. Um, <laughs> uh, I like that the teen cast, uh, are mostly people like closer to that age, like how they cast, uh, yeah. Tom Holland in, um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, sorry. Sorry, carry on. I was going to. Okay, and yeah, I, I like that, and I think even though we don't spend enough time with them, uh, I do like uh, the casting of uh, the um, of her friends. Um, mm. The some characters I 
I enjoy more than others, which I'll go, go into. But um, I really like... Um, I really like what they sort of gesture at with, with some of the characters. And, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, there's a lot of uh, cool avenues in, like, um, areas of, like, fun in, intersectionality they have uh, that mirror sort of the supernatural part of the plot. And I, I really like that. Um, but I just think they just weren't given enough time. Um, I think standouts for me, I really like uh, Lucy Davis as, as Hilda. I thought she was, um, I thought she started off slow, but then they gave her more to do and she was, um, ended up being one of the more highlights. I thought uh, Michelle Gomez um, was um, re- really, really good. And what could have been easily like a um, a, a one note role as, um, I can't, I, I don't know if it's a spoiler to say the name of her, but basically the teacher character. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, like she's she's uh, so good, uh, just chewing scenery. And then then I think Richard Coyle as like uh, a, a Blackwood. I, he's eating scenery. Like oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, and like there's just ways that he like pronounces yeah. uh, certain words that oh I just love it. He's hamming up so well. Uh, I really enjoyed that. I, um, there's only there's only one man that could have done that better than him, and that's Tim Curry. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's taken the. There's not enough scenery to shoot. Um, I thought um, Tata Gabrielle's prudence. I think I've got issues with her characterization that I'm talking about in spoilers, but I thought that um, the way she played, I thought she brought more to the character than was on the page. Mm. Prudence, um, yeah, for sure, uh, and. I think like just everything about her, the way she's uh, just her at- attitude, and she she brings um, a. I think she moderates it from just being like um, a mean girl to um, something else. So I, I quite like that. And then my favorite character, Charles Podomos Ambrose, uh, just every time he's on screen delivering some exposition or whatever, I love it. I don't care. He, he just he's just the best. <laughs> Ambrose is great. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about him swanning around in his dressing gown later. But <laughs> yeah, he's brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like back to cycling back to an earlier point that you guys were making about this out of time town. I feel like they were doing the whole 60s aesthetic on purpose as a way of kind of drilling down on the satanic panic thing, which is kind of what this is supposed to be like referencing and parodying and everything else. Because it feels very much like they're doing the whole um that's the aesthetic they're going for like this this kind of like satanic panic kind of like air over everything kind of like how um remember a time when people used to say that playing black sabbath records backwards would put you in touch with the devil and all that kind of stuff and you know that that's kind of like what i felt like they were going for and kind of kind of why i liked what they were doing and also what I liked what they were doing with like nods to horror movies and stuff like that, because I kind of felt like everything was through that lens um, and they were doing it on purpose as a way of pointing that out and sort of like parodying that almost, I guess. I don't know. Kind um, of. I like, yeah, because to top off that point, I think it's almost the opposite. I feel like it's from the Church of Night's perspective. There's a lot of like Catholic panic going on. Yeah, that's definitely. That's that's yeah. what I mean. Yeah, they're flipping it and they're doing it on purpose to try right. and yeah. So, but yeah, it's it's that's that's the whole thing I was trying to get at actually that they're they're doing it on purpose like with this 1960s aesthetic, but flipping everything on its head. But uh, there's some things about the way that the uh, the Church of the Night 
goes about things that I'll get onto when we do spoilers because there's some things in there that I wanted to point out. But mm. um, so yeah, I guess um, we can move on to spoilers now. Well, just can before. we before we what? do that? Come on, Leon. <laughs> I guess we can't. <laughs> what did like? I didn't really. I haven't really had a chance to talk about the production yet, and I think the mm. I really like Adam Taylor's score. He he worked on ha- uh, Handmaid's Tale, the TV series which I really loved. Um, uh, the production si- uh, design is amazing uh, throughout the show. Like it's just so layered and so dense and so real that like uh, I was thinking to myself, like someone satanic must have worked on the show and <laughs> not far off because apparently uh, Lisa uh, Soper, I believe. Uh, she, she was the production designer, and she's pagan. So, like, I think she just Ooh. she's had a, a really good eye, and I think uh, narrowed the the gap between like what would look sort of yeah appropriate for what what's trying to instead of it just being a grab bag of uh, like Halloween store stuff. I think she's uh, spent a lot of time uh nailing a lot of things so like uh just incantation runes and stuff uh in are carved into wood and buildings yeah. uh, uh just um stuff like the uh the controversial statue that they're being mm. sued over of uh, Baphomet um that just like the layout of uh whether you're talking about the the, yeah. the school the uh, the witch school uh or even the Spellman home I, I think there's just so much laid in there that which is calling on like uh, like classic, classic cinema of horror, but also, um, actual, uh, stuff of the, the occult and such. So yeah. I, I think that is really good. And, um, I mean, the, the thing I re- really want to settle on is that, um, what did you guys think of the sort of camera techniques? Cause you've got that controversial blur, which everyone's been going on about. I quite like that. I thought that was kind of like, cause, cause the, when the magic stuff's happening, it's kind of trippy it's supposed to take you out of like what's got you like the, I, I like the idea of it that when magic is happening it takes you out of this kind of like um takes you out of the the world for a second and kind of puts you in this it gives you tunnel vision almost mm-hmm. like you can't focus on anything else and i quite like that like it, it plays with your head as as the, the the magic in the show probably would and i quite like how they do that plays with your perception when it happens which i expect would happen if you were almost tearing at reality with spells and things so i quite like it yeah i grew to like it i think it started off as kind of distracting um but then in in unison with the like the just the, the like i was saying the production design and just the, the overall world building aesthetically that they've that they built up i think it did help to like amplify that sense of unreality and like Mm. pulling away from like the natural world and there being something fuzzy happening on the edges because it's literally fuzzing the edges of what you see yeah Mm. yeah i I came to like that i just i wanted to add one thing onto what leon said um you were talking about like you know bringing in uh artistic creatives a lot of the artwork was uh actually from clive barker so yeah a lot of paintings around the edges and I feel like that added a really good touch because that's one of the things I noticed from the get-go was just how good the artwork yeah. was, like, strewn all over the yeah. walls was. And this, this, I, think, uh, I think he donated, I read, 150 or 200 uh, pieces of art. Yeah, yeah, a lot. He basically invited them to his house and said, just riffle through and take what you want. <laughs> basically. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty yeah. awesome. Um, So can I move on to spoilers now, Leon? 
if you really want to. Are, are you are you done? Are you got anything else in the barrel? <laughs> are you done, Leon? <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll end with a final point then. Yeah. Uh, talking about the cinematography, I, I, I quite like the blur. I think at the beginning, like Rahul saying, sometimes it didn't quite work. Like there's a, a panning shot where it doesn't work because it's like having an Instagram filter on <laughs> because the yeah. blur the blur starts moving. So like bits like it didn't really fit the the, the shot. But for the rest of it, like whenever they do the stuff with like the weird sisters appearing in the forest, yeah. stuff like that, uh, and you have that like that cool spooky sort of backward string that plays, and then they do a thing where I don't know if they're using prisms or whichever lenses as well as post stuff, but it works so well in those sequences. It really puts you on edge, and I, I love that. But yeah, uh, yeah, we we had a moment of gushing where I was talking about like the blocking when the weird sisters come in, and like yeah. how the three of them enter shot like one after the other in quick succession, and like how it fills the frame with that, and then mm. also the blur, and it looks like moments like that where there's some synergy between the camera work and the lens that they or whatever you know filter they've put on. That that mm. really worked. Yeah, and I, I think that coupled with. Um, the wider aspect ratio than the normal. Uh, mm. it, it does give it a very different look, and you can you sort of feel that because it's the, it's the same one of the same directors who did the pilot, um, or one of the same directors, sorry, from Riverdale who did the pilot of Sabrina, and I think they uh, with like the cinematographers like uh, I think David uh, Lassenberg did the pilot. I think they just really wanted to make it be a different animal to to Riverdale, considering it's all mm. the same showrunners. And I think that uh, using that, uh, I think it's a 2.2 to 1 aspect ratio, um, I, I think they do manage to make that difference because it's a bit of a cliche with, um, that it looks more cinematic when you have a wider aspect ratio. But I, I, I do think it, it does actually work. Yeah, for sure. And it made it fit really well onto my phone screen. Okay. <laughs> so is, is it spoiler time now? It is. Okay, so from this point forward, <laughs> this is when we're going to get into spoilers. So um, this is where you would pause the show, finish watching Sabrina, and then come back to us when you're done watching, and you can enjoy the rest of our conversation. So spoilers start now. So um, I'm going to go back onto what you were saying about Clive Barker, Ray, because sure. there's one episode this and back to what i was saying about this one episode in particular that i wanted to bring up as an homage to horror movies which kind of felt like nightmare on elm street mm. smashed into <laughs> hellraiser and it was great I, I think you're talking about the episode that got me back on the horse yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that that episode right there like down to the puzzle and it was just so such a, a feast of references and everything else that one was for me like that that's probably my favorite episode actually so um, we're talking about yeah. episode five which i i yes. can't remember the title of but it's the one where she unleashes the the nightmare demon yes from the from the puzzle baddie box. bad <laughs> baddie bad from what was what was the box called the um like, it's an arcane puzzle and i can't remember what it's, the proper it's name called is. a configuration though which is straight out of barker configuration yeah, yeah absolutely yeah it's, it's such a great nod yeah that was yeah. my favorite episode hands down as well in, episode yeah. is called uh dreams in a witch house by the way yes Definitely. and oh, even fabulous even batty <laughs> bat like behaves like freddy krueger mm. like yeah she does yeah. yeah like the way batty bat presents herself on screen and behaves like the acting it's just it's like she's here watch nightmare on elm street now be that you know <laughs> it's great um and that that was kind of like 
one of my favorite nods is if any of you guys got any any other sort of things that you picked out the kind of like your sort of like favorite nods or like big sort of like points to horror movies and things like that like classic stuff that you've enjoyed um before actually actually before i open this up i'm going to note the other thing i liked i liked the the whole horror host thing that they were doing with the owner of the <laughs> comic book store and um with hilda as well i thought that was great like the the classic horror host um and and how they explained that you don't get classic horror hosts anymore which is kind of a shame because you know but yeah it was it was it was cool how they did that i quite like that and the comic book store as well if i ever own a comic book store that's the store i want so uh we'll start with you vicky like anything else that you picked up that you really enjoyed as references to horror movies or anything i I just i I like that they're kind of dotted throughout almost like little eggs like in the film then you and I like I love things you know like the introduction of Daniel Webster and and things that really you know they're quite indiscriminate about harking back to like all like a, a wide range of kind of horror films that I think you're going to pick up something if you've seen yeah. any of these so I I like that you know it's it's not just it's it's not too niche yeah. it's it's very very much something that's quite easily accessible even for people that haven't watched a lot of horror films I think it's you know it's it's as, it's as much or as little as you want to dip into and I think that that there's something quite magical about that where, you know, like the more horror films you've seen, the more you pick up on and the more you're just like, it's exciting. You know, they've, they've got this configuration thing, which is straight out of Hellraiser. And yeah. Love that. I thought that was done really, really well. I did. Yeah. The minute, the minute. I really, yeah, I really like that. Like you're saying, it's peppered throughout the entire show mm-hmm. and that makes it feel more like it's a fabric of their world. Like exactly. it's not it's not a hint to the audience like, hey, look at us, we know so much about horror movies. It's more mm-hmm. like these are genuine references that have yeah. some like arcane or like really old referencing from something even more ancient that whatever mm-hmm. modern version we have is actually an interpretation of that. And that's in the fabric of the world itself. Like w- there were some other ones. Like yeah, for example, when they're um doing the exorcism and obviously there's like mm-hmm. over exorcist references or whatever in the, the framing and the light coming from the windows but like yeah. when you know when they're shouting the names of past witches to give yeah. them strength and they throw out things like Anne Boleyn and it was like this really cool little things which they ground so many fictional and non-fictional different references absolutely yeah that was so awesome I love that yeah yeah, that yeah that's one of my favorite scenes it's it's just it's so great in terms of world building I think to to just have that element that that people can recognize you know it's not just this fictional world where you don't have any rooting in like our reality it's mm. just this kind of shared reality that yeah. is somehow elevated into the supernatural which I I really appreciate I enjoyed that that was cool the satanic um exorcism which was that was a really good episode like they, they, this whole mm. like conversation in the like oh you know we can't do exorcisms we're supposed to be friends with demons you know that kind of is like mm-hmm. i quite enjoyed that like this whole like question about can witches perform exorcisms which was cool yeah yeah and and um that brings me on to my point actually about how the church of the night is basically the complete antithesis of the catholic church in this show and it's it's like i'm gonna use the term lawful evil so like um D term lawful evil to describe the way that the satanic church is in this like the way that the church of the night is it's like they have all these laws that are the exact opposite of the laws in the catholic church for example and they abide by these laws but also some of the laws actually are the same and some of it crosses over like you can and and the way they they do like confession and everything else and it's like it's just such a such a like a like holding a mirror up to it kind of thing 
and the way the way they do that and the way they use that to comment on the catholic church um is really cool i think there's a really weird hypocrisy to the the church of the night because like beyond the obvious hypocrisy that they're trying to bring up by like um mirroring it to the catholic church and the obvious like um hatred that they have for each other because they're like opposing forces i think it's really weird that the church of night like it's basically a really petty like i don't want to be the catholic church where everything is what the catholic church does but flipped on its head yeah literally like i mean obviously this is this is all rooted in in the symbology from years back but like they flip the cross upside down or they you know like everything is literally just the word that the catholics use and then with like three letters added onto the front of it i just think that's really strange like it feels really petulant to me yeah and that's one of the things that made me like i flip-flopped on with the show whether it was you know doing it po-faced or whether it was trying to get us to see like just how in some ways childish it all is and then because it's so childish it then suddenly flips the script by making it really really heavy and dense and like actually these dark forces are genuinely here and you have this giant like goat demon staring at you in the face demanding your blood and like it can flip-flop between those two vibes really well and like that's something that i grew into as as the show went on i think it's a bit of both i think that's where a lot of the comedy comes into it for me as well Hmm. in the way they 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 like they do stuff like it's because there's parts where the show feels like um like you're watching in the way like that there's this whole like these dramas within the uh within the church and within the way they worship and stuff It's, it's almost like they've taken a Sunday evening show from British television about like um, a small village and their church and all the dramas and the going ons or whatever, and then turned it into the, like sort of like flipped it on its head and made it about the church of night instead. If you get where I'm coming from with that, like, yeah, um, like you could take any story from the Catholic church and then just, yeah but like like the way the way like some some kind of like really like um harmless show from sunday night tv or whatever about like oh you know this is about the congregation and about like little dramas within the congregation oh we've got to be we've got to be ready in time for such and such festival or whatever that we're hosting at the church like the harvest festival or something (laughs) like that and then they completely flip it on its head it's one episode in particular actually where they're celebrating the uh um they do the, the the cannibal thing and i can't remember what the what the name of it is what they call it um, where it's cut, supposed to be giving thanks to the witch that gave her life so the, the witches could live the on. The Feast of Feasts. That's it, yeah. Like that, that in particular. And the way Zelda cares so much about how, like, her standing within the church as well, like, and things like that. It just, it just feels that way to me. Like, like they, it, they've just, and that, that's like a lot of the comedy in it for me is that as well. And watching the way the Church of the Night is trying to not be the Catholic Church, but at the same time, being the same as the catholic church um i don't know if i'm supposed to find that funny but i do um leon you got any thoughts on that or yeah i think uh all that stuff here as you're saying is is quite quite deliberate and i think um that mileage may vary on how effective uh, it was deployed and I, i i thought um I thought it, it was it was uh, quite effective because uh, part part of me was like, yes, that's a bit uh, like on the nose. But then I think one of my favourite bits of exposition, or it's not really exposition, it kind of is, but it's two characters just talking about shit. 
is at the beginning of episode two, I think, where um, the Blackwood is talking to Sabrina about her like fears of the yeah. dark baptism. Yeah. And she basically said she's even though like part of it doesn't make sense to me because she's like been a half witch her whole life and is can clearly do spells and shit, blah, blah. But then she has the most basic the world started a second before the first scene was shot of like, what about blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm sure her parents, uh, her aunts would have said stuff, but whatever. Um, like she has all these questions and then he fires back um, slander or that's a lie or da, 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 da. And it's like, uh, it's not evil. It's free will. And, and uh, I, th- <laughs> I thought that stuff was like very effective because it shows you one of the things one of the central sort of push and pulls that we kind of have with the show is that one, it's a show where they want you to kind of like everyone who's not an outright villain. Even if you like them in a, uh, she's an annoying parent or that type way. But at the same time, because they double down on like, Oh, this isn't Harry Potter. This isn't, uh, we're just messing around with witches. This isn't like, like a lot of this sort of TV fiction to do with this stuff. It's usually very like, like in Buffy, they never, there's hell mouths and a possible heaven dimension thing, but they never really lent into the sort of, uh, dichotomy of like heaven, hell and, um, yeah. Judeo Christo religion stuff. But this goes fully hardcore into it where characters are saying hail Satan and stuff like that and characters are saying praise Satan and like that's the sort of funny sort of flip on its head type thing. But, like, good characters are doing that as well. Because, mm. I mean, for us, uh, the, even though Zelda's kind of, like, hardcore and harsh, she's still a spellman, and all spellmen are generally quite nice. Yeah. So I, I think um, you have that sort of thing where the shirt keeps pushing in and pulling back with, mm. with that stuff. So at times it, it it is, like, funny, and other times it's just, like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't fully believe the world sometimes because yeah. of stuff like that. Uh, and I think it's something where, because they want you, like, if any other show, say Sabrina is a, a human, and then suddenly she's interacted with these sa- Satanists. Just decades and decades of media and living in Western countries where where that is just outright, uh, like outright bad, the satanic panic, blah blah blah. Like, they're immediately all bad. But in this sort of happening, where it's like, oh, no, you have good Satanists as well. That's cool. But I think they, like, they they don't fully, uh, they don't fully, like, set up uh, or more, they don't confidently um, push up that from sort of a grand sense. But what they are effective at is showing um, how different characters would sort of be lulled into that world in the same way that, like, cults and certain religions get perfectly nice people who bake you a cake and uh, look after you, be really nice to you, get you presents, uh, whichever holiday or whatever, but then uh, their religion is, like, against, uh, like, homosexuality or something like that. So I think they're very effective in that, but but there are some weaknesses in that approach because they want you to sort of, like, basically basic constructions of, like, characters in TV shows who are meant to like and not like kind of uh, hinders them a little bit in that way so it's, it's kind of push and pull yeah i can i can get behind what you're saying there um i mean like 
did any of us actually expect it to be so dark when we no. were, yeah did any of us expect it to go as far as it did and to do what it did and well like, like i know i've just been talking loads but i'll quickly say like when i watched the first episode um and i'll give some background to this um I grew up in a really, 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 really religious Christian household, like to the level where a, a lot of uh, we were not not a lot of secular movies were on the TV without us sort of getting them on there. Apart from Family Fair and oddly enough, stuff like Disney. But um, like sometimes it was annoying to watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch, the nineteen ninety six show without getting comments from my parents saying, oh, it's about witchcraft, blah, blah, like, this is this is what we're dealing with. So don't ask me how I watched all of Buffy in the same room as them, but I did it somehow. But um, So, like, we kind of got that. So I remember after watching episode one, talking to my brother and saying, like, um, I mean, thing is, my, uh, my parents were kind of mellow in some ways, but, like, I think it mellowed in the way that Sabrina the Teenage Witch, uh, they'd be less complaining about it, but I was saying that, I don't know how you guys are going to watch this on the family TV <laughs> because this is a show where they don't just gesture at it in that, oh, I've got magic, I'm Doctor Strange or something like that. It's like they are outright saying that shit. They're like, Lucifer this, Satan this, the Dark Lord. The Dark Lord is the PG-13. But, like, yeah. I thought they were just going to do that. Like, And I think if the show was on the CW, it would have just, it just would have been referred to as the Dark Lord. But, no, this is like... Lucifer. They just hail, go straight into Hail it. Satan. Straight yeah, up. Yeah. Dark baptism and all these things. And it's like, I was thinking like, I don't know how you guys are going to do all it. The, I still don't know how they're yeah. going to do it. All the iconography and imagery as well. Like the, the, the sort yeah. of like sacred geometry, the big massive Baphomet statue <laughs> yeah. in the main hall of the school. And, and, and part of it, it feels like, I was not expecting that. Uh, and I kind of like how they just yeah. uh, dive deep into that. Because it does feel like, at first it feels like, oh, like, Less like shock tactics, but more like we can do what we like. Well, Netflix type thing. Yeah. But also, I think it makes that it makes the world a bit more interesting because I don't yeah. think you had a show like this with characters sort of in this milieu, which like a, like a teen show, I guess, in some ways. Yeah. Um, but it'd be outright uh, explicit with some of the things like this, and yeah. uh, I, I was knocked back by it. Um, Vicky, you got any thoughts on that? I'm actually just, I'm still, I'm, I'm chewing over what you said, Age of the Show being kind of, you know, it was rooted in, in Satanic Panic and back to that. But yeah. my, my, my problem with that is that Satanic Panic is rarely actually about Satanism. You know, yeah. it's always about mm-hmm. displaced anxieties about other issues. And so my question becomes, I don't actually know what anxieties the show, like, is gesturing at. And I think it's interesting having a 16-year-old girl at the center of, of it all and a 16-year-old girl who is precisely half-witch and half-mortal. Um, and so, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But, you know, I, the darkness of the show and leaning into the whole satanic aspect of it, I'm glad they went there. <laughs> yeah. I think I think more shows should, and I think more shows like it, it kind of takes no prisoners in the assumption that just because it is about a 16 year old girl, like there are things that can't show, because there are so many things that are horrific about being 16 in itself and caught in that liminal state that are so rooted in in the uncanny and macabre and the gothic that 
that it kind of, I, I think having the juxtaposition of, of, um, you know, sweet, innocent Sabrina, <laughs> who also embraces the darkness and, and all the horror images is actually really interesting. Um, yeah. in terms of just not, I guess, just assuming that the audience can handle all that. Yeah. Assuming that 13 year olds mm. will kind of lean into the darkness, which, which I, I appreciate. Yeah. I, think I don't know I, if that answers your question. <laughs> yeah, I saw it as two things. I saw like so the the satanic aspect. I thought the thing that Leon brought up, where Blackwood is saying, you know, he says that line where it's about free will. It was never about, mm-hmm. you know, it was never about this. It was about free will. And I feel like a lot of the show is about deconstructing that, about showing the hypocrisy in that statement about how you're, you know, you're you're supposed to be gaining free will or mm. you're supposed to be gaining power, but at, the, at such a cost that they try and hide. And they, you know, they feel sheltered behind this facade of, like, the power that they get from it is worth the cost. But then there's also the aspect about being young, like, being Sabrina, being 15 or 16 years old, and, like, kind of barreling down the hallway of injustice, like, with fury and naivety mm. and, like, misearned but really vital confidence. I feel like that that very woke aspect of the show is is kind of partly their thesis as well, but then I don't know if they fully if they fully hit the mark with that but Mm. like generally i like that that thing was going on and i feel like i don't know i don't know if those two things meshed very well together but i don't know if any of you guys have thoughts on that yeah like i I think that comes back to something i mentioned earlier um where i think that the show's gesturing a lot of a lot of stuff but Mm. i don't think it digs in deep in some things um and i think that can be a. I mean, I, I love things that do leave things a bit more open, um, but but generally, in a text that is meant to be here are here is like the general thing, and then take this and do what you like with it. Hmm. Generally, there is still some authorship there, which leads to that. Whereas this, it's more a case of in some ways, set dressing, um, where it's like, okay, we'll fill in the gaps by um, adding this or talking about 13 witches who died, blah, blah, blah. Like, um, and we'll, we'll shortcut you. Um, so instead mm. of actually delving in what makes the influences so good, it's more a case of we're just going to get to the point by showing you shortcutting to show you this thing so you can feel a particular way. And like um I think one of the places that you feel that a lot is how it deals with, say, like Sabrina and bringing up the themes of, say, uh like say the the liminal snake uh state and like uh that whole sort of sweet sixteen and becoming an adult thing and different different choices and uh, and like uh, intersectional feminism with things like Wicker at school, um, uh, and like all the power that you get when you, you become a witch, blah, blah. Um, and I think they, I, I, I think they, uh, show like a, a good, not really a good understanding, but like, uh, they gesture towards a very interesting mirror. And multiple mirrors, really, of like the whole, um, uh, the loss of autonomy and free will, um, and 
particularly with like women and how like despite all the all the talk of being opposite from as, as you guys hint, uh, hit at before of like uh, the false god or whatever uh, um, they still have this super patriarchal society um, they still um, like every person uh, and all like the women have to sign their life away uh, mm-hmm. need to have kids and you better hope that it's a male kid because we don't know what's going to happen if you have a girl first like all these like things that are, uh, it, it, like, and, I, and the characters do speak it in the show and that's why I, I think that like um, like Madame Satan has lines like that like Prudence has lines like, like well, well he's a man isn't he like stuff like that that yeah. they do <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, they gesture at that and, and like all the all the interesting characters on the show are women characters pushing yeah. back against some some type of thing. And I think like I think they they are heading towards uh, a certain thing and they're they're bringing up these things and they're not just tossed in there. Like um one of the things that I think is super interesting is how uh uh, uh Susie, who's played by the uh, non binary actor uh Lachlan Watson, um is one, you don't usually get that anyway, uh, a, a non-binary or queer or trans person actually played by someone, um, who is, who is, who is that. Um, mm-hmm. so that, uh, that already is a step in that direction because, um, then that person's lived experience and from what I've read of, of, uh, uh, interviews, um, uh, Lachlan says that they, uh, brought a lot, um, of their own history and their own upbringing into the story for, for Susie. Uh, and I think that is super interesting um, and does build that character when that character doesn't have really much screen time or even have their weird power uh, um, explained. But I, th- I think on the flip side of that, and this is why uh, the Susie character is a good example of basically the main failings and sort of pluses of the show is that they spend so little time with uh, Susie that we just have a couple of gestures. Um, so you have where Susie, who is who is who is pronounced in the show as being um, feminine, um, she's being bullied by those like douchebag douchebag renter jocks. Um, so you have that. I, I guess you have the uh, the reference to the Virginia Woolf. Uh, Orlando book that she mm-hmm. tries to steal out, but uh, and then you have sort of that weird thing with that I, I didn't really know how to read until I read some interviews, where um, Rosie's aunt, who's who's blind and has the uh, uh, the cunning, or, uh, um, she keeps referring to her as a young man and boy and stuff like that. And at the beginning, I was like, I didn't know if we we're meant to uh, like read if if Susie's struggling with gender, which they kind of hint at, but at the same time, she's just kind of doing her shit, and she's punching these bullies back, even if she gets beaten the shit out of, like, so, like, it's kind of, like, hit and miss, because they, they don't, not really diving in, into, uh, into that while bringing it, ha- while having it be a thing, so at, at the beginning, I thought, is she being, like, purposely, like, misgendered, and is that meant to be, like, a, oh, with the truth site, I can see what you really are, I was thinking, oh, God, like, that is bad. But I I think the character is actually meant to be um, undecided and not, um, 
it's meant I think the focus is meant to be non-binary um like the uh the actor playing um actor playing mm. Susie so I think that's what they were doing but I I just don't think they either didn't have enough time with the character and put it on screen and it hit the it hit the cutting room floor or they just weren't effective in actually humanizing what Susie is about so that that quite annoyed me because I thought that uh, Susie was a cool character, and yeah, like when her like her powers sort of revealed, and just just the way she like handles handles her shit. Like she isn't just. I was I was worried at the beginning that she'd just be some victim character, but the way she yeah. handles her shit, like I I, I thought, like there's so much good there, and I'm hoping in season two they like spend some more time. But um, I, yeah, it's, it's it's like frustrating because you get so close, yeah. and then they they. They don't really deal with it, and it's like it's one. Usually, this is a thing that I would uh, paint towards, like, uh, well, they didn't have the right people in the room. Um, but I think what it is is either they've just truncated so much where a lot of themes are going to come into season two, or um, there there was a lot of push and pull because um, uh, in an interview, um, uh, the uh, uh, Lachlan Watson does say that they do have a trans writer on the show, um, MJ. They mentioned MJ, and in the in the writers' room list, I saw an MJ Kaufman. Uh, um, so I'm I'm doing t- disconnecting the dots. So that that's that's awesome that that is the case because you do not get that that often. But I think this is a thing where like showrunner vision uh, versus like how much um, people can actually get their uh, their viewpoints onto the uh, onto the screen. So yeah. hopefully that that stuff improves because. It's so much potential, and I just feel yeah. like it's kind of squandered. Um. So, going back to like what we were saying there about, um, like uh, when you mentioned some of the things that the people have said in the show, like what the what the uh, the women have said and things like that, um, in with regards to men and things, the the, um, the one that really got me was the discussion of the apple, uh, the mm. malice malum. And the whole, like, that being the point where the two are supposed to split apart and we're supposed to get the two um, sort of, like, mirror images of the same religion kind of thing. But it doesn't actually split apart because they still look at it in the same way and they still, in a sense, treat Eve the same way. Well, because the line was something yeah. like, is the apple evil or is it knowledge? And depends who you say, talk to, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it depends on if you ask a man or a woman. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's a lot of interesting things like that. Uh, yeah. Um, Ray, have you got any thoughts on uh, any particular characters in the show or anything like that you wanted to bring up? Um, no, I think like we've ping-ponged around a lot of different points here, so I'm a little bit lost, if I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> but like, one of the things that you were talking about is like this... Um, like It's still a patriarchal society, and they they claim to be more progressive but if anything it's like it's this reformed church that is only regressing because of the men in power and i think that's an interesting theme i think there's i don't know there's a lot i've got a a bunch of different notes on this and i don't really know where to begin if i'm honest Um, i think because i've been thinking about what leon was saying about Susie, and i was like part of me feels like maybe they knew exactly what they were doing like they were writing it into just the into the character's being like this is what the character would experience with the life that she's living, and yeah. 
this is how people react to her, despite, in, you know, in irregardless of all the supernatural things happening and whether there's a commentary to be made. Yeah. Maybe it's just, maybe it's enough to have that in there and not have to comment on it. I don't know. That's the way I saw it. I thought it was quite refreshing to have, you know, to have her be non-binary, but also not comment on it loads and just have it be part of the fabric of her nature. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. I know what you mean, and I, I was hoping that um, I was clear enough in what I was saying. Because what what I'm not what I'm not saying is that oh, they've got a non-binary actor. They need to like have a massive, uh, big focus on this and blah blah. I think it's more a case of I feel that they're tying some of the themes of that into the show, but they're not being effective with it. So, mm-hmm. say you could you could mirror her experience as a non-binary character, Susie, with Sabrina's experience being uh, having to bounce between both the mortal and the witch world. Um, and that does seem like that's a very explicit uh, like link between the yeah. two. Mm. But then I, I don't feel... I feel like there's loads of gestures, but I don't feel like they, they do... They don't really pay off. It just feels like doing to do. Like deliberately Ooh. underwritten, yeah. Things, yeah. No, I see what you mean. Um, do you have any thoughts on this stuff, Vicky? I think the, I think I, I absolutely agree with Leon. I think the intention is there, and I think the intention is noble. I think you know the themes that the show addresses are, are things are very ambitious for a teen show. Yeah. And I think I think at the end of the day, you know, the genre is is kind of a a, a limiting factor for for what it can address. But I just wish it would have pushed a bit further. Because it brings up a lot of good points, you know. Going back to the super character, I think it, there there are so many opportunities to really say things that other teen shows aren't saying, um, and even the ones on you know Netflix. Because I have so many problems with shows like Thirteen Reasons Why and the depiction of like teen inner lives in in shows like that. That I feel like Sabrina is almost a Trojan horse, or could have been a Trojan horse to address really important issues for teenagers, and yet mm. just didn't really go there. Which I feel like is a missed opportunity, and yeah, it I think started off so strong with that. As it well. did, it yeah, did, yeah. and I, I wish they would have because you know the, the gothic, and I think there's a reason why there are so many gothic teen shows on television. Um, you know, regardless of the quality of, of each show individually, there's there's a reason for that trend, and I think it's because like teenage years and the uncanny are intimately linked. I think there, there's just so much going on there, um, especially in terms of American society. You know, where, you know, there's this belief that Americans kind of struggle to really come to terms with an ad- adult sexuality, which goes back to like Leslie Fiedler's, um, Love and Death in the American novel that I think is so quintessential to like these developmental year- years that they could have done so much with it, especially with the whole witchcraft angle, because witches are such a great vehicle for that. And they're such an empowering vehicle for women specifically and women have been cast as this Eve character for so long that I feel like it, it touches on these things but never has anything new to say about them, which is why I was disappointed. Yeah. Um, I think, I think I, I agree with everything you guys have said. So like most of the points that I was going to bring up regarding characters, you guys have like took them out of my mouth, so to speak. Um, so I, I come like looking at my page here, like scrambling, running low on things to say that <laughs> hasn't already been said. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's just, I think um, one thing that I, I have actually still got here, actually, that is still in the barrel, is the fact that 
the way they deal with toxic masculinity with Harvey's family. Um, and the way, like, they have, I mean, like, it's, it's something that's kind of been done before and stuff in the way that they've dealt with Harvey not wanting to be part of the family business and his dad being, um, kind of really pushy with him and trying to get him to, like telling him to man up and things like that and, and trying to get him to to grow into this other like you know try, trying to get him to you know men do this and this is what you're supposed to do you need to go and work in the mines and things like that it's hard it's hard for me to kind of uh i can't <laughs> i can't i can't articulate what i wanted to say now but yeah it's it's getting um Yeah, that, that kind of, that, that, that stuff regarding Harvey and the way Harvey's family works is, is kind of cool for me, like seeing that and seeing the way they do, like Harvey, Harvey wants to be an artist, but he's being pushed in another direction because he's taught that art is something that's effeminate and something that he shouldn't be associated with as a man, maybe, or something like that. And the way his father looks at that and the way his father treats him and the way his father kind of like, um, forces him in that direction and things I think is quite, is quite good. And the way they do that, yeah. the way they, they portray that family the way they, they, you know, nobody cooks, they have TV dinners all the time. It's like microwave meals and things like that. And it's just, yeah, they really highlight the yeah. absence of like the uh, yeah. mother or even just general, yeah. uh, like feminine figure. Yeah. But the, 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 also the father is like really, really like hyper, I'm a man, I do man things and this is how you're going to be and you're going to do it whether you like it or not, you know like forcing his brother to carry on in the mines instead of going to college and things like that, which I think is quite unreasonably quite, stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Also yeah. <laughs> he was savage. He was yeah. like, yeah. Any other parent is like, I don't care. I don't care if you've got footage of my son crushed. I don't believe he's dead until like actually, like, yeah. actually touch his body. And he was like, yeah, it's too much hassle to get him out. I've got to get the boys working again. We need to open this thing up. Yeah, Tommy's dead. Yeah, bye, Tommy. Uh, let's get the insurance money now. You know, yeah, king of the assholes. <laughs> but I did. I I quite like the way they did Harvey's family for that, and I like I like the way that they kind of like highlighted this whole toxic masculinity thing through them, through those guys, through those three men. I thought that was cool. The way they brought that up. Um. Oh, sorry. Carry on. I oh, no, no, no. Oh, sorry, oh, sorry. sorry. I, I, need, I need to go. I need to go. Thank you. You go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's, it's it's an interesting point, bringing up this whole toxic masculinity angle to the show, because I actually think that this is another one of those things that the show brings up but doesn't really fully realize. And, you know, there's... My problem with Harvey's family is, is that they're so... The, the father figures, especially, it's such an archetypal image that it almost doesn't seem real. Like, I don't yeah. see him as a fully-fledged character. I see him as a stand-in for a type of character. Yeah. And and it's funny watching this um, this show side-by-side with, actually, this season of American Horror Story, because I think that show also touches on toxic masculinity. And I know that that's not the focus of this episode, but it's, it's interesting kind of watching them side-by-side because I think that show actually does a lot of... A much more effective job of touching on this issue of toxic masculinity but anyway probably fodder for another time yeah i've not watched american horror story i've I, I, i've not actually watched any of it yet actually i've not i've not even started watching that so but, this yeah. season would be interesting to compare to sabrina i think just yeah. because you know both of them 
uh, concern covens yeah. and and the the coven in american horror is unapologetically matriarchal and yeah. and you don't really i mean i know that you, you as much as witches are considered female figures you know i think that that sense of like women actually belong at the top and that this is kind of it's not even a question like men just do not belong and this is you know how society could be is, is a, it's a really interesting kind of vision of the future and or not the future not our future <laughs> at the moment at the right work but it's it's yeah. interesting to just that's a show that i would say went there um yeah as opposed to sabrina which tried and i think tried well but still fell a little bit short for me yeah uh ray what were you gonna say because you had something to bring up as well didn't you I was going to pull away a little from like the overall metaphor and what all these, you know, these, these things mean. I was going to ask about some plot machinations. So towards the end, I like, it starts off with Sabrina trying really hard to be a hero. Like she's a furious, energetic activist, like whether it's for, uh, you know, mortal ideals or witch ideals. And then at the end of this show, she's trying really hard to do what she thinks is the right thing. But like, She's almost the like she's the villain of the piece in a, in a lot of ways, where she makes such wrong choices in trying to do the right thing, and how that escalates, and how it still, I don't know, like it, she she breaks apart a family through her actions. Like, how do you guys feel about that characterization of her? She can't do right for doing wrong, and I think she feels like she's trying to do the right thing, but I kind of understand that, like trying to fix something and then by trying to fix it breaking it and almost like I, I quite liked how they did that like she was she was trying to be good and she was trying to to, to help people but it, it, almost because it was coming from a selfish place she was making it worse because the thing that i really like about it is that it's yeah. about being young and about being naive and about being arrogant, but also being really well-meaning. And I can mix- fix it. I can fix it. Yeah, yeah. and mixing yeah. up all those elements in the wrong way because, you know, th- there's something to be said for knowledge and experience. And I just, I kind of liked that what I saw as a message towards the end, like you can have all of these ideals, but it has to come with some level of, I don't know, experience counts for a lot. And I think there was something that... um one of you had written into the document, which was about Americans, Americans' culture being so fascinated with teenagers and specifically mm-hmm. teenagers going through horrible things. But also, like, to me, I read that as Americans having such a reverence for youth and less yeah, reverence for, um, I don't know, for the elderly and for what, it, you know, what counts as experience. So I don't know if I, I'll leave that open to you guys. I don't know if you have something to say on that, Vicky. Um, I, I, this is, this is where I think the show actually really is, um, is, Sabrina and how she fails. And I think that mm. that is a space that I think you see a lot more with male protagonists around her age. Mm. And I think what I really like about the show is that they didn't marry Sue her. That she's not some kind of like perfect witch that you can, you know, that's just really cool that girls can aspire to be. She is allowed to fail and, and as well-meaning as her intentions were, I think, you know, there's, there's, there's an aspect there that's just so, quintessential to American culture and this kind of whole exaltation of youth, as you were saying, you know, and that's usually, I think, tied to the figure of the American Adam, um, who is just this mythical, you know, prelapsarian person that is, by, I guess, perfect in a sense, but also doesn't really have 
any experience. And I think experience is, is, is the, the defining feature here is it's almost like once she gains experience of all these adventures, she then falls tainted and, you know, becomes Eve, signs away her name and all. It's interesting kind of seeing that yeah. with the female protagonist and, and seeing how that's reversed and seeing how all these tropes aside, like tied to the feminine also play into to Sabrina. I think she is for all the show's, I guess, trials and errors. I think Sabrina is the strongest character as well. She should be for a show that really hinges on Kieran and Shipka. And I think she does a really good job of, of playing this person who is just trying her best, but is caught in a really, really difficult position. And, and I think, you know, that's, it's, it's, that's, that's the part of the story that I really buy is yeah. her trying and failing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause yeah. sometimes she can be a really challenging character to like, just yeah. outwardly like, but I, I really enjoy that characterization. I really like it. Mm. And this is, this is what the comics do well, actually. Um, these, the, the books that this is based on, um, they have that, that, that whole, um, thing with the necromancy and bringing somebody back comes with a price is actually almost ripped entirely from the books, but without, without it having a resolution like it does in the show. So they've taken the whole necromancy angle and the whole thing where she brings somebody back to life, but it, it goes wrong and there's a price to pay, but it's not actually resolved so far in the comics i'll say because we've only yeah yeah because they uh, when they're going to finish it i don't know but the it, show it does... was your re- resolution <laughs> yeah the show was my resolution yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah because like uh backing up uh or more co-signing what uh what vicky said like yeah. uh I, I skipped over earlier when talking about the characters but um because i've got i think kernan uh Shipka, I think that um, she was one of the reasons why I was hyped for the show because I'm a big uh, Madman fan and mm-hmm. she's a child actor in that, so she grows with the show. And like, she, especially in the later seasons, she's so good for what they ask of her in the show. Mm-hmm. So when I heard that she was cast as Sabrina, I, I was just like, oh wow, that's kind of perfect. And then watching the show, I had this thing where like, I thought that she was great during certain sequences and not so great during other sequences. And that was usually a case where if she was ever pushing a, pushing back against something, I thought she was so strong. Mm. Um, and that leads all the way to the end where I think she just like, she fully grows in and, and inhabits that character. But then in other episodes, sometimes I think like the tone was misjudged and that's usually, um, like, stuff to do with mortals and a lot of stuff to do with like Harvey. Like I, I never really bought, um, not going to say I didn't buy the relationship, but I never really bought that she was in the same show or in the same scenes as some of the, uh, like of some of those sequences when they're just talking about stuff. Um, like it never, it never felt like for a while. I didn't feel like, uh, she was, in that scene in the same way that the tone uh, depicted. But then in every time, like saying that it was to do with more dark stuff or hard decisions, she just really nailed it. And then I think they managed to sort of dovetail those together as the show went on. And um, she was just going from strength to strength. Yeah. Um, so I, I, all I can do at this point is just pretty much echo what everyone else is already saying. Um, <laughs> I, I don't really have anything to add to the conversation as far as all this stuff goes. Um I think if um 
if we move on to conclusions then, unless anybody else has got anything left they want to add? Uh, I do. <laughs> yep, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, so I really like this show and I really like, um, like the stuff that it touches on, even if it doesn't always uh, stick the landing or if a lot of this stuff has been introduced in season one to be handled more in more in depth in uh, season two. Um, there are uh, some elements like uh, with Susie where I don't think they were. And um, as uh, Vicky mentioned earlier, uh, with the uh, Ross character, it, 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 uh, or and like uh, Ross's grandma, you do... I think you see sort of the some of the seams of the show or the limits of what gesturing towards stuff without a deeper understanding of some stuff or at least an understanding of optics because I think what the show does well and what Riverdale does well is that uh, casting-wise, it's uh, quite colourblind and there's lots of stuff where in the past you just have loads of stupid, annoying questions um, and now people just accept it. Like, Ambrose, he's a spellman, he's a cousin. We don't need to be like... Oh, how come he's not white? Blah blah. So you just accept it because you blah blah. You just you just connect the dots in your head, um, and I, um, and I think there's a lot of like interesting characters um, of of all different like the all three of the weird sisters are, are, are different different ethnicities, and that's all cool. Um, but I think where that can sort of backfire happens when you sort of forget sort of imagery. So like the whole thing like with uh Ross for instance, um it does have this thing of like oh the the magical Negro trope, how like uh especially like to solve things in the show and it's like oh, I've got this spiritual power. I don't know where it came from. It wasn't given by the witches but it, it kicked in when we got blind type thing and it's like uh, as a general supernatural law power thing, it is like a cool concept, but it's sort of ignoring sort of the the history and the visuals of that can end up uh, putting a sour um, sort of taste in your mouth. And the thing is, with that thing, it was more a case of like, uh, yeah, that it's a, it's a bit weird, but I don't know what they're doing with it um, and it's uh, I don't know possibly innocuous or whatever but then I feel like uh, more liberties are taken with the Prudence character uh, like in episode 4 I believe it is with the um, the harrowing which is like the uh, the sort of hazing you have going to witch school and like um, I remember watching it like so at the end of that episode, they've been hazing Sabrina and they take her out, but Sabrina's made the deal with the ghost children. And so, so instead of her being, uh, like hung like a witch, uh, the three, uh, ghost sisters, uh, the weird sisters are like lifted up, uh, and hung, uh, with invisible, uh, like ropes and stuff and mirroring sort of like, uh, the deaths of many witches, blah, 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 blah. But like one of those visuals is a black woman. With a noose, an invisible noose, but with a noose around her head, uh, like choking for dear life, and it's like mm. that's mm. one of the things where a black writer or black director just would have, I don't know, tweaked that a bit because it, it's not meant 
obviously the scene is not meant to uh, be a bit anything about lynching or whatever. It's about like the hanging of witches and that's the point that. of the sequence. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's invoking that imagery in an uncomfortable way. Yeah. So like it, it, it wasn't something that made me think, ugh, and I switched off the episode. But it's one of those things that it just stacked with other weird stuff. Um, yeah. Where it didn't feel like there was a full, not even understanding, but a full sort of like awareness of uh, how some of these tropes work. And that's why I think like that's where like colorblind characters or colorblind show can sort of backfire if you uh, aren't aware of. Uh, Aren't aware of certain things that um, can can just look bad, mm. um, and I thought, and then so like leave having that as it is, yeah, you know, that's that's bad imagery. But then she's continually sort of mistreated as a character because, as as I said, um, uh, Tati Gabrielle brings a lot more to the role that's on the paper because like she can easily be like a subpar sort of Regina George Mean Girls type character, but um, they do give her a lot more to do. Uh, and she sort of excels in that. And, and I think the best sort of written episode for her is the uh, Feast of Feasts, where um, her and Sabrina are going back and forth about uh, why do you want to be eaten and yeah. blah, blah, are you going to be killed? Like, and, and I think that, that it, it, that's so cool, having those characters just, just discuss all that stuff. And it, it really builds that character because you start to see um, sort of the cracks in her faith. Uh, and sort of like her sort of fears of like maybe this isn't isn't mm. right or whatever, and then it's revealed obviously that it was a setup and that she was going to be killed, and it's like okay that's cool uh, blah blah, but it's like oh so she's not, now she's the, the bastard daughter of like Blackwoods. It's like uh, okay, and it's like and then the person who's trying to kill her is Blackwoods black white. It's like uh, okay, mm. uh, and then. You, you kind of have just weird stuff like with the babies at the end, and it's like, oh, we're gonna save this baby's life, and we're gonna take it, and 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 I'll I'll bring up this baby, and it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this is this is all getting this is like it's the stacking stuff like that where, and yeah. I, I don't, I'm not saying that there's a cruel intent, and I don't know people might, might be listening, to me, oh, it's so sensitive, that's uh, SJW, blah blah. But it's like I'm not saying really that that's particularly bad in terms of, like, don't do that in the story. I'm just saying that it it exposes a lack of awareness uh, for some of these things. And what it does, it just, I don't know, like, having everyone sort of be uh, a, a blank slate in that in that sort of way where, look, it, it, it just feels like a lot of this stuff is comes from, like, history and one of the downsides of that out-of-time sort of Riverdale slash um, Sabrina thing is that they don't really deal with history in a realistic sense beyond, mm. uh, beyond like, talking about something. So I think in Riverdale they mention, like, an underground railroad or something like that, and there's just mm. bits and pieces here and, like... But, but I don't know, it, it's, like, it's... You could, you could excuse that off as being, like, high fantasy, like, that doesn't happen, blah, blah, but then they're still in America and they're still in, like, I think you, it just doesn't, uh, I don't know, I think you just, when you're trying to pick and choose in that way, because it's sort of utopian, um, but what it does, it sort of just erases in, uh, instead. So, no, no, it's, I think it's a tricky balance, because I'm not saying uh, the black character, you got to, like, 
got to like address black and you got to have a racism episode and you got that's not what I'm saying that that be that be stupid but it, it's one of those things where not having this person be black but not be black in terms of the story just you just run up into weird stuff like that and uh, I'm hoping that I don't know like these are sort of just like missteps in trying to tell this interesting story and not uh, more a roadmap where we're going to keep bumping into stuff like this. This is that issue, like episode one problem that we always have where it's like, why should it have to be up to the next few books to resolve the questions that we have from the very start? So like, it shouldn't have to be heavy lifting done in season two, I think. And like, I totally get what you mean about these things, like stacking, like it's all these minor oversights or like these small-ish slivers of oversights that compound together and can actually congeal into one into like a serious thing because the audience is still living in 2018 you know that you can't hide from these issues a lot of the time and yeah i I get get where you're coming from yeah um so we can start to close this up now we can move into conclusions um just yeah i mean i I agree with everything you've said there regarding those characters as well and everything else and and the fact that maybe the show does mishandle certain things um, and echo what Leon's saying there about hopefully in season two they can rectify some of that because season two has already been shot I think hasn't it? Uh, Well I I always think I thought that was the case that they were shot back to back but I think they were written back to back and that season two is currently being shot now Okay, well that's cool. At least we know we're getting season two. <laughs> so, um, moving on to overall conclusions for the show then. Um, yeah, I mean, overall I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was great. I didn't have any real, um, misgivings with it. I mean, a lot of you, I know you guys have said that it's sort of like it, it started better and then it's ended weak or the other way around, flip, flip wise. But I've, I didn't really have a problem with the pacing of it or anything else. I, I was really into it start to finish. And for me, it was kind of like a perfect, perfect thing to watch over Halloween, a perfect sort of celebration of everything that I enjoy about Halloween. And that was kind of what drew me to it and what kept me in it. I mean, um, just, I guess, uh, move to Vicky. What, what, what were your sort of like overall impression, overall conclusions of the show? Wait, now having picked the show apart a little bit, I do have to say that I really did enjoy it. And I am looking. Yeah. And I think it just so much potential. And I think, Anything that is as ambitious as Sabrina was is bound to have some problems. And I think I, I, my thoughts are really along the same lines as Leon's that, you know, I, I think it falls down a little bit where it gets too ambitious. And I think, um, I think that's something that can definitely be rectified, at least to some extent in season two, because it, it is so strong in the fact that it has gone for a lot of representation on screen. But I think when you introduce characters of color and non-binary characters, I think you have to, that comes with a certain amount of responsibility. And I think Mm. telling a story of witchcraft, which has really, really like such a, such a upsetting history in the U S you have, that also comes with a certain amount of responsibility. And I think these two things are, you know, we've been talking a little bit about intersectionality, not on a deep level, but I think these, these two things are related. I think the history of women in witchcraft is one history. And I think the history of racial tensions in the U S is maybe a little bit caught up in this more so than the series implies at the moment, but I'm looking forward to seeing season two and seeing if they kind of go to these places that are really actually very hard to talk about in terms of 
how these issues have been portrayed in American history and how they've been kind of downplayed in American popular culture. Yeah, it would be nice to see them address those things. Ray? Yeah, overall, I really liked it. I'm in for season two. Um, I want to see more of like how how Sabrina develops after having gone through these, like how she fails and learning to pick herself up from that. I really want to see that in season two. Yeah, I'm I'm in for season two and I, I really want to see more of more of the the this this town where it always feels like halloween because that that's great for me i love that (laughs) (laughs) i i enjoy how they've done that and how they've like dressed that up i really enjoyed that um ray i guess you want to see blue just end this on a a lighter note i I guess you want to see blueprints of the school don't you i absolutely do i want to see on flat (laughs) on flat paper not on a sphere not on a non-euclidean surface or anything i want to see how they think that all these pentagons can fit together it doesn't happen (laughs) I, I'm not I actually as angry about it as as I make it sound, but like we built it into a thing now. So. Yeah, I actually you're not Googled. as angry as sorry. <laughs> sorry. No, I was gonna say you're not as angry as the church, um, or the Temple of Satan rather about the Statue of Baphomet, which we never That's actually true. talked about. Yes, <laughs> how, how could they're I pretty angry. Be that angry. <laughs> yeah, they 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 took particular issue with that, and um, I think as Ray has said before in because we were having a talk about this before in uh, a, a, like a WhatsApp thread, I think as Ray had actually mentioned before yeah it's kind of you can see where they're coming from to be annoyed about the way that that statue has been used and everything else you can you can fully understand it um and and but at the same time copyright issues for a deity yeah but i mean it's it's not the only instance of them having uh caught trouble i think there was also a painting in the background that they'd apparently plagiarized and there's some copyright issue going on oh, over that and, as well another another goat imagery yeah. painting somewhere in the background of one of the scenes so yeah yeah they're catching flack for this yeah um but i think um i i was going to actually mention as well ray that i did google tessellated pentagrams mm-hmm. and you can tessellate pen, uh, pentagons even you can show tessellate, me how you can show tessellate pentagons if you google tessellated pentagons are you actually doing this now? Yes, I'm right. googling it. Yeah. <laughs> so there is a way to tessellate pentagons, and it only works if they're irregular pentagons. And two of the I don't sides... want to hear an if. You've already said <laughs> you've already ruined it. I don't want to hear an if. You can't do it. I can do it. Let me show you. We can put that in the show notes. Put that picture up at the bottom. <laughs> yeah. Um. I'm going to show you now, though. I'm going to um get you the image. Just bear with me a second. So if they're irregular, does that mean as a but not below? It means yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it means um that It means that it's not a pentagon in the way that they put pentagons. They it's, put all their like, it's a, weird it's a shit into a pentagon. Five sided It's not a regular shape. pentagon. It's a pentagon, it's a five sided shape. Here. Here's your tessellated pentagons. Would Baphomet be happy in like a stretched out pentagon? Look at that. Look at that weird ass <laughs> pentagon. That's <laughs> well, that, that's, yeah, you know, it, I, I, technically it can be done. You can tessellate a five sided shape, just so you know. That's not what I said, but thank <laughs> you for demonstrating. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But yeah, um, so I guess that has been the chilling adventures of Sabrina. I didn't get a conclusion. Oh, yeah. Leon, <laughs> give us a conclusion. I'm cutting you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I'm going to run through a bunch of stuff that I'm looking forward to season two or more like what the fucks. Uh, <laughs> so don't answer them. Uh, and then I'll save a thing. But what the fuck happened to the Kemper Witch storyline? The dead familiar lizards and what the hell is up with Principal getting all me too horny uh, in the, like, <laughs> the last episode? <laughs> uh, Love that. Th- there was zero fallout from Blackwood being out of his Prudence's father. I know that they kept it all a secret uh, hmm. on that part, but zero fallout from that. It's just like, yeah, I'm going to have another kid. Da, 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 da. And um, So, real talk. Sabrina, she, she's she going to care that, you know, she's going to find a spell to fix Roz's eyes or anything? Or, no. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, uh, ben, uh, Ben Button, the pizza boy. So, uh, <laughs> this is, it'll just be a spoiler for season three of Riverdale, but like, uh, you'll fly too to Greendale, apparently, to deliver pizzas. But I thought that was really cool that they ha- actually had one character in both shows. Yeah. Uh, that was that was pretty cool. Um, um, I'm looking forward to them explaining what's up with the twin uh, in Sabrina, because we keep seeing two babies. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, Nick Scratch is totally the devil, I'm calling it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, and, and, like, yeah. this whole love triangle thing, Harvey's <laughs> mega dark. Yes. Nick Scratch. He's annoying as hell, so screw them both. I wanted to be a lesbian. Yes. I, just, I think, you know, after talking about how witches were previously polyamorous, I think it's time they go there. I want some lesbian witches. Yes. I, I, Speaking for the team. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm here for that. Um... So like, yeah, this is no So like, Dorcas and Agatha get no reprimand for killing five mortals and bringing all that heat down on on the on the the church of night. Okay. Um, Sabrina straight up like slits a woman's throat. That's weird. Yeah, well, I don't have time to get into that, but I did want to get into yeah. that. Like that, most shows would do that in season five, and this show did it in fucking season one. Wow. Um, <laughs> they went there. <laughs> oh, I, was, oh, I thought there was going to be some Deus Ex Machina and uh, she wasn't going to do it in the end but she she, she did it um, and yeah what is it with female led teen shows and having shitty boyfriend I don't know but uh, <laughs> I think it's uh, maybe art imitating life <laughs> <laughs> just but, kidding but am I really <laughs> yeah but uh yeah, all, all, all in all, um, I really enjoyed the show. Um, obviously, I've got complicated thoughts about all different stuff, but that's pretty much me and every media. But um, <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed yeah. the show, and I'm I'm really looking forward to season two. And I've heard, well, not really whispers, but there's like um, people are hoping that yeah. something that they just uh, are putting two and two together that the show's going to come out on um, Valentine's Day instead of next October. So fingers crossed. That could work. Oh, cool. <laughs> I yeah, like it. That would be really A really good. dark Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> that could work. Goth Valentine's Day. I'd like that. Oh, I love um, it. <laughs> yeah. But um, what you were saying about Nick Scratch as well, Nick Scratch is totally a name that the, the, the devil would pick if he came to the mortal well, it's, it's like It's like both of them, <laughs> yeah. because like old Nick and then... Um, old Scratch. Old Scratch, yeah. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> It's like this, it's, he's it's young. It's, it's it's as much as a it's as much a name the devil would pick as the Joker calling himself Jack White. It's just <laughs> that's how it you know that's how it is. It's just that's how it is. And and if he's not if if he's not Lucifer, then damn it, yeah. But no, I'm I'm really excited for season two. Um, 
and uh, I, I, clearly the rest of you are as well, which is really good. So yeah, uh, that brings us to the end of Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. So um, hope you've enjoyed our little chat about that. Uh, what we're going to do now is we're going to very, very quickly rattle through um, the pull list and um, maybe some closing thoughts that we have um, and uh, as in like what we're going to be up to between shows. So um, what are we looking forward to next? Uh, is the thing so um i mean i've got my pull list which is things i'm looking forward to next which is comics that i will be buying uh this week and next week um but um for the rest of you um vicky have you got anything that you're looking forward to next to follow on from sabrina or anything or are you still in a horror vibe or is it something new or um everything that i wanted to watch kind of came out all at once around halloween including the new halloween and the new channel zero um, I guess I'm looking forward to the end of this season of American Horror Story and very little after that, sadly. Cool, cool. Uh, Leon, <laughs> anything for you? <laughs> um, it's not out uh, before the, the next episode, but I'm we're on a witchy vibe. I want Suspiria. Give oh, me yeah. Suspiria. Yes. Yes, totally Suspiria. Suspiria. Yeah. Really looking forward to that. Um, Ray, anything... anything for you looking forward to i want to watch spiria mandy i want to catch up on ice cream man which i heartily recommend oh my god catch Um, up on ice cream man already don't stop um (laughs) and i'm really looking forward to my bed now yes yes (laughs) yes (laughs) so yeah um i guess the stuff i'm looking forward to i i've seen mandy and i've seen halloween and they're both great and um i've seen uh yeah i i recommend those for and yeah vicky if if you're going to read a horror comic read ice cream man it's brilliant um, so for me yeah very quickly onto the pool list um so for this for t- for this wednesday um i have a comic called outer darkness which is kind of like um horror sci-fi and it's looking at it it's um i'm, I'm not going to Go to. I'll just read the blurb. The story is described as a sci-fi horror. It involves Captain Joshua Rigg of the Starship Sharon in a future where the humans have colonised the galaxy. However, mysteries and horror wait as the Sharon encounter demonic possessions, hauntings and cosmic horror as they embark on a desperate rescue mission into the outer darkness of space where everything wants to kill them. So it kind of, from the previews that I've seen, it kind of looks like Star Trek, but with a bit of a cosmic horror flavour on there as well. So... I'm kind of looking forward to reading that. It looks really cool. And it's got this whole Star Trek aesthetic thing going on with the logo and everything when you look at the comic cover. And that is published on Image Comics. So I'll probably be talking about that next show. Uh, for November the 14th, we've got the end of Mr. Miracle number tw- uh, with Mr. Miracle number 12. Uh, so that is the end of that particular run of Mr. Miracle. Um, Cosmic Ghost Rider also comes to an end with Cosmic Ghost Rider number 5. And we've got Murder Falcon number 2 which um, I've talked about on a previous show. I've talked about Murder Falcon and uh, I am really looking forward to the second installment of this comic because it is metal as all hell and I love it. <laughs> um, Ray, anything on your pull list very quickly? Uh, Mr. Miracle number 12, which is out on November the 14th. Ms. Marvel number 36, November the 14th. And Blackbird number 2, uh, November 7th. Yeah, so there we go. That has been the pull list. Uh, we've been Ace Comicals. Um, you can find us on twitter under at ace comicals you can find us on instagram at ace comicals you can find us on facebook under ace comicals um you can find us at www.acecomicals.com which is kind of the hub for pretty much everything we do um you can find us to listen to us on 
Pocket Casts, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn, and Castro. Um, and you can also find us on Apple Podcasts. Um, we're just pretty much everywhere at this point. You can find me on Twitter under at Bato. Uh, that's B-A-T-T-O-U. And if you have a question for the show, you can send it to acecomicals at gmail.com or you can send it to the uh, inbox on Twitter for the Ace Comicals Twitter account. You can DM us uh, and we will answer your question on the next show. Um, Ray, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Monke, M-O-O-N-K-E-H. And Leon, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Leon Everett. Uh, Vicky, got anything you want to plug? Uh, you can find me on Twitter as well at Vicky M. And um, if you happen to live in Edinburgh, there is going to be an Edinburgh Gothic event next Tuesday on Robert Louis Stevenson Day, uh, 13th of November. So if you're around, come to the University of Edinburgh, find us. We'll be talking about Gothic things. And uh, yeah, um, if you are so inclined, you can donate the price of a coffee on our coffee site, which is, uh, again, you can find us under Ace Comicals. And uh, all proceeds go to keeping the cast afloat and keeping the lights on. So um, that has been Ace Comicals over and out.